This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me You're not gonna do nothing, you are not above me I bet you wish you was me, I know that I know What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Solve for Why podcast. The Solve for Why podcast. Oh, wow. Uh, that just you, like, went, you went old school. Like snuck its way in there. Right. First, yesterday we had the, the old intro. Got well, now we got intro. you frozen on the... <laughs> That's weird. I, I, I promise I'm not staring at my phone right now. Man, uh, it's, it's been rough. It's Woo. been a rough comeback. All right. Glad it's a short week. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, Man, yeah, we I, need a break. The Only Friends podcast. That's it. That's what uh, we're on. Welcome under the Salt for Wine umbrella. Hey, look at you. You're moving. Hey, all right. Wow, congratulations. Man, I've had this thing with my left ear. <clears throat> I, I should I should really get it's, it's something so funny. Eggs I, in there. I said this to somebody else and that was their immediate response. <laughs> like, oh, you have a you have a whatever they're called. Um it's been like two years where it just like goes it feels like I have water in my ear. Mm. But I can make it like stop pretty easily, but then it just like comes like I put headphones on, it comes right back. That's yeah. It's, it's really probably have that looked at. There's a lot yeah. of things I should have looked at <laughs> a lot of things <laughs> i have a spot on my head that just like appeared oh no mm -hmm. that's not good it, this is uh it's been there for like a year and a half it's probably melanoma who knows uh, don't if it's not that. getting any bigger well it's not getting any smaller <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah maybe maybe get that looked at this is the the is plight the right word of getting older yeah yeah like yeah, we'll it's it. you know it's uh Things happen, right? Like, I'll, like something like I'll be just sitting and like watching TV, and I'll feel like a twinge in my. I'm like, oh, this oh, is it. Yeah. It's happening. <laughs> I guess this is how we go out. I thought you were no. going somewhere else with that. And, and, I, I sneezed. Yeah. Um, this was last year, like around, like a year and a half, year three months ago. I sneezed mm -hmm. in Thanksgiving, and my back yeah, like, right. <laughs> went out. Yeah. I pulled. I don't know right. how many muscles. Like, God damn. It's nice having Michelle there because, like, well, first she can do CPR to remind so, you that but, you're not dying. Yes, yeah. yeah, right. She's like, I'm like, I don't know. It's like a, like a chest pain or something. She's like, it's probably just gas. <laughs> I'm like, really? She's like, I'm like in my chest. She's like, yeah, it can go all over the place. I'm like, really? Sure. Like, yeah. I'm like, okay. And then like it would subside. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm not <laughs> I'm having alive. a heart attack. <laughs> <Right. Woo. laughs> we 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 might lose you in that chair, man. I know. I didn't this realize like the really, green, the green on green. Yeah, I just think I'm like really monotone. Over, like going back into the hedges. <laughs> oh, that's so good. When you oh, become man. your favorite GIF. Yeah. Uh, good man. thing I didn't wear the green pants with it. Do you have them? I do. Not, not that doesn't go specifically with this. Well, maybe it does. Maybe actually. it does. They're both from Target. Right. <laughs> <laughs> where else where else would they possibly be uh, all right we got a great show lined up for you guys today we have a few topics to cover in the twitter streets uh pads is out there making a hard statement yep uh on the current affairs in the online ecosystem uh we'll, we'll get to discuss that in a little bit uh we're also going to talk about the jmo thread with regards to uh selling public um action at markup and what his experience was over the last year firing pretty hard seems like he did about five million worth of buying yeah he went 
Four million. He profited million, five million. Yeah, yeah. My apologies. Yeah. How uh, nice. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's sounds sharp. Yeah. Hundred and twenty five percent ROI. That, that ain't bad. Especially when you're pumping out that kind of volume. Right. Uh, and then uh, to get things started, well, sort of to get things started, uh, we're going to talk about the year that was in 2023 and what we hope to accomplish in 2024, maybe more so uh, centered around the poker sense of things. Uh, I somehow got tricked, and I say somehow because I was a willing participant, but I absolutely got tricked here with Landon texting me saying, we're starting 75 hard the day you get back. <laughs> I said, all right, buddy, I'll uh, one-up you. I'll start 75 hard the day before I get back. Yeah. How about that? Um, and, you know, here I am, day four, loving it, just crushing it. Didn't have to do anything different except record the shit that I eat. That's, that's it. It's post, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Where's Landon? Where's Landon? Is he already off it? Never started it. Oh, then, then you can't be Bro, off it. Bro, he needs to, started. too. Like, is he getting a little soft? Uh-oh. Getting a little soft. So what, what are all those, those pictures of him, or those videos of him, you know, just putting up 200 pounds, you know? Well, you can be soft and strong. You can be soft and strong? Yeah, man. You, you add a lot of weight to your body. You can move a lot more weight in the gym. That is true. There I am. You know? Uh, <laughs> that's Landon after that's you Landon. asked him to do, what are you talking that's about? Landon after you asked him to do 75 hard I didn't even ask him he told me we were doing it uh, prior to me leaving for I, I, don't, I think I told the story off air but I'm going to tell it on air So right before I left for Tahoe with Henry Landon ordered three pints of ice cream oh from man. I don't remember where him and his ice cream and the flavors were like really unique it was like Cookie Monster, which was incredible. It's that blue ice cream with like you know the cookie chunks in it. Sounds so you good. partook. I, I had a I had a spoonful. Um, so he had like Cookie Monster, and then he had like this like chai tea. It's like what are we doing here, man? Like if you're gonna get dessert, yeah, just like really go for you it. You want chai tea? Go drink a fucking tea. That's actually healthy for you. You know what, what mm -hmm. are we doing here? And then the last one was like I don't know some like wild fudge brownie shit. It was just you know I'm sure it was good. I didn't have any. Of it. Anyway. So he orders these three pints of ice cream. Henry and I are like hanging out and we're like, the fuck? Like, we just don't get any? And he's like, no. So he eats three pints. <laughs> two Wait, two he and eats a half. Three, like in one sitting. Bro, in minutes. In minutes. I mean, like, I've never seen someone power through. A lot. It's, it's remarkable. So he powers through three pints of ice cream, just like that, you know. Remind me what a pint looks like. A pint would be a quarter of a gallon. Okay, again, show me with your hands no. what a pint looks like. No, 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 no. Two cups and a pint. Eight, eighth of a gallon. Is it? Two yeah. cups and a pint. Yeah, there's four quarts in a gallon. Four quarts in a gallon, two, two, pint, quarts, two, two pints in a quart. Yeah, so one eighth of a gallon. Okay, so yeah, yeah. one eighth of a gallon. Okay, Still. So, so he had just shy of a half a half mm -hmm. gallon of ice cream. Yeah, right? it's two cups. Yeah, it's about like yay big. Yeah, okay. It's a um, lot. Especially three of them. So actually, I, I don't even think we were complaining, but somehow I think Henry said like, I can go for some ice cream. Landon mm -hmm. goes, all right. Orders five more pints, <laughs> right? Henry gets one. Now it's been it's been three minutes since the first three pints arrived, and I asked him if I could try the other one. I can't remember what it was, and he goes, "It's gone." I was like, "The fuck?" And he goes, "Don't worry, I have five more coming." I go, "You didn't ask me if I wanted any." He goes, "I have five coming. You'll have some of the ice cream." Will you? 
Will I? Will I, Brian? That's the question. So five pints arrive. Gone. I went somewhere. I don't remember. Come back and I open the freezer and all that's in there is like a quarter pint of the one that Henry ordered. And I ask, or I ask him, I go, what, what happened? He goes, I ate them. So he had seven pints of ice cream. Jeez. How's he not like in diabetic shock? He's young. Yeah, it's true. He's young and resilient. Ah, uh, to be 24. But bro yeah. is like, bro's off it. He's Sounds off it. it. He's just off it, man. He's got, like, he's, he, you know. He's I mean, got if a, his training, it kind of offsets. No, it does not. Yeah. A little bit. No, it absolutely does not. How do you figure? You go to the gym for an hour and a half, you're going to burn like 300 calories. Right. Doesn't it, it offset some? He ate doesn't a gallon it, of ice yeah, cream. Yeah, it doesn't offset a gallon of ice cream. All right. Yeah. Sorry, Landon. I tried. It's like three thousand calories, maybe more. Probably more. Probably more. Yeah. Probably yeah. more. I mean, it's nothing but fat and sugar. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little, little, little bummed out to hear that protein. walking a mile. Actually, how many calories do you think you burn just walking a mile? Um, like two fifty. Hundred. Yeah. Yeah. You walk a little slow. Yeah. <laughs> Got maybe double that base. <laughs> yeah, like no, it's 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 hard to burn calories. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. your body's efficient. You you regress into certain things, especially when you're talking about like uh, low impact, steady state type of stuff. Yeah, you know, like walking, jogging. Even if if your heart rate isn't like really getting up there, you're not going to be doing a whole lot. And I think people mi- misunderstand like when you're lifting weights, it's you're not losing fat because you're burning a ton of calories. You're losing fat because you're breaking your muscle down and they need to be, it needs to be repaired. So you mm-hmm. remain like, you know, in that anabolic state for some period thereafter. But as your yeah. muscles are recovering, you need to burn calories yeah. to, to recover your yeah, muscles. Yeah, it's like a, it's, it's, right. it's a process that like mm-hmm. carries, carries through. But and like the more muscle you build, then the faster you burn fat. Is that true? I mean, the I've, leaner you are, the, the faster or the, the, met, the, the, the greater the metabolic effect. I actually just uh, watched a pod where they were talking about um, burning body fat, and they were saying that, and I don't know what this is, but it's called HIT intervals. It's high-impact interval training. How that is more proficient at burning fat versus... Sorry, like, high-intensity interval training. Versus doing, like, a lot of cardio, but not at a really, like, intense well, pace. Yeah, starting well, it's and more, stopping it's, is, is, is good, right? Well, it's more efficient because yeah. you save time. Yeah. Right? Mm, like, that's always nice. Uh, yeah, you... you that's may- what P90X3 is. It's very, but I mean, Man. I'm just Uh-oh. saying, I'm saying it's a lot of inter- interval training. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's structured in a hit capacity, but like, it's not very high intensity. Brian, this is it's him. It's pretty poo-pooing. high intensity. Well. For the average man. Maybe not uh, for you. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, if you put not, it that way. It, I'm, I'm saying like, <laughs> the, the easy comparison is uh, insanity is also on the beach body program insanity is high intensity insanity is very much high intensity okay that is a hit workout yeah p90x3 is you never even saw it or did it so how do you know yeah yeah i have have you who do you think gave you the app no yeah i know but i'm not i'm not saying that you yeah i I did them all. You and never did three. Yes, I did. And it was no. a fucking warm up. I did it because the yoga was only 30 minutes and that was worth it to me because yeah. I don't ever want to do a minute more of yoga. I, yeah, the, this, the, cause I'm doing P90X2 now, which I, they're mostly hour workouts and yeah, it's a, it's an hour worth of yoga, but it is a much better yoga workout. Like you feel like, yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm know. just doing it to stretch and 
you know, maintain some level of it flexibility. It is nice. It is nice to wait till you yeah. do the original. It's ninety fucking oh, minutes. I've done it. I've done it with you. Oh yeah, yeah. Ninety it's minutes 90 of yoga minutes. is like insufferable. Mm-hmm. Well, like the the last like thirty minutes is like all abs. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of true. Yeah. Tortoise, when are you going to put your uh, your nipple picture up to uh, kind of keep yourself yeah, accountable? You in the 75 Listen, Harvard streets? I, I, Hish is doing I'm it. I'm a 42-year-old man. Hish. I don't need to be doing that. Bert, I, let Berkey do that. I actually took thing. a picture myself, too, January 1st, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and I was like, man, do I really want to post this? Like, it's it's pretty bad. Hey, I, think I, 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 might, I might post the, uh, you know, the finished product. <laughs> I am the, I'm hey. the epitome right now of skinny fat. Not, neither this, are you. Listen, you don't just get the rest on your laurels because you get older. What if uh, God resting on my laurels? Listen, you know, God forbid, Michelle just dies. Jeez, then what? Morbid. Where well, are we going? Well, she's not going to break up with you. I mean, you're no, a catch. That's right. But like, you know, God forbid we lose Michelle in some capacity. <laughs> what are you going to do? Can't just be schlubbing around in your little tortoise shell. <laughs> I'm out there you doing p 90 too, man. You gotta flex on him a little I'm, bit. I'm out there. You know, I'm out there getting strong. Show me again. <laughs> that's that's, the, mo- that's the, the tortoise most it muscular. Reminded me of the little kid in, uh, or the 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 skinny kid in Little Giants. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. So you think I'm skinny? No, <laughs> no. Just the way you awkwardly tried to flex. Uh, uh, all right. So we're talking about all of this because, as you saw in the lead of the show, um, we are going to be discussing. Goals, graphs, uh, everything that was in 2023 and everything we hope to achieve in 2024. Um, for me, like every year that passes, poker becomes uh, a slightly lesser priority whenever it comes to like my purview of uh, things that are things I'm trying to improve the most on. And it's not that I'm not putting effort into poker. It's just that I think I've made it more defaulted, right? Like, I know where to pocket in my hours of study. I know how to kind of simplify that process and ensure that like I'm studying the right things. And I also know like what's going to be asked of me from software wise standpoint in order to create this sort of content and ensure that, uh, you know, I'm, I guess like putting the best stuff out there, which means that I'm trained up to the ability to teach. Uh, so with that, then it just becomes a matter of like just showing up, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, just make sure that you're good at what you do, that you're in the right mental state. And then you show up for 1200 hours a year or whatever, uh, is allotted to you to play in these games, which means that I have to do the less desirable thing, which is actually put more of an emphasis on improving as a human being, <clears throat> mm-hmm. which I got to tell you, sounds great in theory, but you know how much easier it is to just float along just like not try mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean like whenever push comes to shove if i'm not saying that there's necessarily a, a larger pot of gold at the end of the rainbow if you mail it in as a human being but man you save a lot of fucking mental energy and existential crises mm-hmm. it's uh it's no fun getting in your own head maybe you should just stay off of twitter no, no, that's <laughs> sorry. That's what we, that's where we exercise the demons. Oh, all right, Wabo, you know, like whenever those existential crises start to really weigh on you, and you're just like, I just don't know what my purpose is on earth. I can find a nice distraction on a Twitter thread. Yeah. It's like your frustration room. Like I know some yeah. poker players like have rooms where they just go and like throw shit around nice. and yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so that's your room. Kind of, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I'm not. I, I'm. I'm not like. It's funny, most of my life is very physical, but when it comes to like emotions, I'm not a very physical person. Like I don't have rage. 
really building up inside of me. Um, <laughs> but man, do I love a good verbal sparring match. Yeah, that's, we know. That's just... We know. That's we're, a good time aware. for everybody, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. <laughs> Onlookers yeah. and myself alike. Um, so yeah, like the, the early part of this year, the, the emphasis for me will be completing 75 hard again. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to try to get... So that before that's picture... That, two and a half months, right? Yeah, yeah roughly. Yeah. That before picture that Guapo showed, that was day one. Uh, I'm roughly... 225 pounds there 220 ish at the lightest 225 wow yeah, i uh, big boy i went for it get you on the, get you on the steelers what are you at right now tortoise <laughs> what what are you at right now what do i weigh 91 probably somewhere in that range um i was like pushing 200 wow at like uh probably before i started working out so i probably down I'm sure I'm down some weight, but um, I was at 188. Yeah, I, I don't well, know. I don't even have a scale. I don't, oh, okay. I don't like maybe I should get one, but um, yeah. not. I, I don't mean, think it's that important. It 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 doesn't matter all that much. Right. Like, my goal has nothing to do with what the weight that registers on the scale. Like I'm, I, I think the weight the the weight will be a byproduct of yeah working out right. Like yeah, like I'm 220, 225 ish. Mm -hmm. Um, but like the eye test has me looking leaner. Like I'm probably 20 percentish body fat mm -hmm. but i think i'm like wearing it relatively well even in the before pictures yeah uh so my goal is to get like sub 15 which i think is pretty attainable it's gonna be tough uh i don't think so really no i mean i have so much excess weight like i usually walk at 190 are you changing your macros uh yeah i'm, I'm in a deficit I, i'm eating somewhere between like i would say on average i'm eating like 1900 calories a day but are your actual macros like changing like percentage wise like oh uh slightly I'm I'm foregoing fat a little bit for carbs, but like oh, my protein's doing, always high. You're doing more carbs instead of fats. Yeah, basically, like when you're trying to maintain muscle, fat becomes a lot more important. So, like if you're ever going to consider a ketogenic diet, you want to be doing it at a time frame where um, you're you're kind of in a maintenance phase in your training and in your body composition and all that other stuff. Um, when you're bulking. You don't really care. You just want to hit your protein mark. And when you're cutting, it's sort of the same. You really want to hit the protein mark. But the, the bigger thing is you also don't want to burn out because like you're at a deficit. So you, so you need the carbs. The, the carbs become a lot more important, yeah. right? Like they're more efficient. Uh, you're able to just draw energy from them without much conversion. So you don't burn as many calories doing it. Um, but yeah, I'm still like not high carb. I'm probably eating like 25% of my calories are carbs maybe slightly less. Um, I, enjoy, I enjoy 75 so like hard. 50, 25, 25? Yeah, maybe slightly less on the protein. Mm -hmm. I'm eating like 240 grams of protein at most. So some probably on average like 200. So it's yeah. like 800 calories of a 2K calorie diet. So like 40%, give or take. Um, and then maybe half as many carbs. And then, you know, somewhere around the rest being uh, fat. It's like 40% fat, 35% fat, something like that. Um, but yeah, like getting back into 75 hard, I forgot like how enjoyable it is. Uh, mainly just because for me, it's just tracking metrics that I'm already kind of doing. Um, you know, like it's, it's a daily reminder to take the dogs for a walk to get my mm -hmm. outdoor workout, mm -hmm. which I'm doing anyway, but I may not be like seven days a week doing it. Right. And now this is a way to be accountable to myself, to the activity, whatever the, the case dogs. may be. Yeah. <laughs> like instead of sauntering when I feel like it, which ends up being maybe three to five days a week, now it's like mostly going to be every day. 
it, especially if I don't walk the dogs, like it'll fill in my workout. Same thing with the gym. It's like, mm-hmm. um, you know, now what I, is the da- the daily requirements for this? Uh, two workouts. Hours? One okay. is meant to be outside. Two forty five minute workouts. One's meant to be outside. Uh, read ten pages, which I substitute for uh, listen to ten minutes of audiobook. I just don't like to read. Um, create a diet and stick to it. So no cheating on whatever bounds you give. So like for me, it's just macros. I mm-hmm. need to hit my protein goals and I need to hit my caloric goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to be overly concerned if I have a piece of dark chocolate or not, whatever, that doesn't matter. Um, and then no alcohol and drink a gallon of water a day. Okay. What's, well, the th- no what's the theory behind you. having the workout outside? Uh, just touching grass. Yeah. Okay. Just get out, get some sun in your face. Yeah. People are yeah. just like indoors sitting way too much, way too much. Yeah. Okay. Um, but like I'm pretty flexible with that kind of stuff. Like even if I was betting somebody to do this, I wouldn't really care if they did two workouts indoor versus out. I, I get the premise behind it, mm-hmm. but like it's just more impressive to me to be consistent for 75 days. Yeah. Like I don't really care that much. Like I like Hish texted me yesterday. He goes because he's doing it. He's like, you count the sauna as a workout? I'm like, yeah. He goes, why? Like explain to me. I'm like, was it hard? to do it for 45 minutes he's like yeah i'm like that's a fucking workout yeah like it's it's uh it's pretty close to to cardio whenever you look at like how your heart rate fluctuates and stuff like that Mm. um so yeah i don't know like for me it doesn't really alter my daily routine much it just adds some accountability and i really enjoy the process yeah uh it also makes me be a lot more time efficient which is important because i gotta tell you i'm not good at I know. Not not too good at the <laughs> juggling of time management. No, yeah. Um, what about you guys? Do you have any specific I know you're in a fat loss bet or weight loss bet, Guap. Um so it's no bet this time. Um oh, just, oh, it's just, doing just it. for you. It's just wow. hey, just I wanna you. like What's live her name? past, you know, I don't know, fifty five or sixty. Yeah, that's probably a good or, idea. Not only that, like I got this last okay. year I got very complacent. Like work was really good, poker was really well, like way too many. I was tortillas. running hot when, you know, in the terms of like life right right but i got really fucking lazy i ate whatever i wanted um i was very stationary doing a lot of editing just like ordering uber eats empanadas lots of empanadas and uh yeah it's just i need to stop being so lazy and i just need Mm -hmm. to i need to lose this weight all right so what personally like i'm not a goal guy i think the process is infinitely better sure and more the goal is to finish the the thing like yeah. to me, like to me, like my goal is to to complete, um, you know, P ninety X two. But if you right? Uh, all right, so but if then you, if you do that and the next goal is to complete P ninety X one, like let's just say that's right. that's the back to back goals. Yeah. What do you do after you've completed them both? Right, exactly. How does so, your mind? Right, so like a lot of times, what happens with me is is I I work out and you know I I, I eat healthy and then I fall off and then I just like don't do anything for right. a couple months and then. So like the, the, the goal that, is to yeah. be more consistent, I guess, in I, general. I'm similar to you in the sense that like, uh, I don't really create many goals for myself. I try to create mm-hmm. processes. Yeah. Um, but if I do have a tangible goal, like 75 hard, right. Um, I try to, I try to have the next one already planned out. Mm-hmm. So I already know what I'm doing after 75 hard. Like I know that that's going to carry me into the yeah. spring and I'm going to start my maintenance program to mm-hmm. carry me through the world series. Right. So I, I know where these phases like kind of fit into to my life Mm -hmm. and you know i understand that like i'll probably carry a maintenance through like august and then restart the bulk i had a really successful bulk this time like i got so much stronger yeah uh noticeably which i 
you know, I try to do it. It's it's weird thing because like bulking is so uh, equated to being lazy, and there's so many lazy ways that you can do it and just put on the weight. Yeah, just a dirty bulk. Yeah, even if you do a clean bulk, like where you're just consuming ex- excess calories, if you're not really training in a very mindful way to move some fucking weight and like really increase your volume in the gym it's very easy to just like start packing on a bunch of fat and actually not building the 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 muscle uh the lean muscle underneath it that that you hope to finally get to this time like and i know i did it right because of the way i look at 225 like i actually don't look as heavy as i'm carrying no i that's what i thought when you said 225 i said damn you don't look like what I would think you would look like at 225. Right. So I'm, I'm excited to see what the <laughs> cutdown looks like mm-hmm. because the last time I did 75 hard, I was like 195, maybe mm-hmm. 198. And I didn't, like I had, you know, done some sort of bulking prior to it, but like not mindfully. Mm-hmm. And so when I leaned out, I got all the way down to 183, which was like my high school weight. Mm-hmm. And I was just skinny. Yeah. You yeah, know, body, like, body chemistry is just a weird thing. Like if you and I were to stand next to each other, I'm six feet tall as well, yeah. and I weigh nearly 35 pounds less than you. But if you looked at my body type and you right. looked at you, yours, you'd be like, oh, well, Wapo's you're like clearly... You're 190? Yeah. You, just from looking at my body, you'd be like, oh, well, Wapo's clearly fatter. Yeah. Like, it's just... Well, you are fatter. Well, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. I'm just heavier. Also, so, metrics-wise, like, so I'm looking at a lot of metrics. I like numbers. Mm-hmm. I like graphs. That's what motivates me. Um, if I can get the scale to say 160 anything within the next... That's you know, so light for days. one or for six foot tall. Yeah, I want to get to one sixty nine. Like, if I can get to one sixty nine and get aye, my body aye. fat somewhere around like in the teens, like seventeen, eighteen. You're looking to lose you twenty. You're to lose twenty to pounds, that. right? Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, like what about like putting on muscle and these these kind of things? That, first, that, I want you want to lose the weight. First, first, I want to just lose the weight. First, I just want to lose. Why? The mm-hmm. It's the opposite. Um, it's easier to build when you're heavy. Maybe it's a vanity thing, but aesthetically, like, I just hate how fat I am right now. Okay. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's get, just, it get, doesn't feel good. Like, yeah. I'm walking around with a lot of excess weight. Like, it's mm-hmm. just not good. When trend. What's that? When trend. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Trust me, I've thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's always the meme. All right, let's get into uh, some of the results from 2023. Uh, yesterday, we posted a tweet that just basically said, show us your graphs. Uh, it seemed like an opportune time to to kind of hear from the community, give you guys a little opportunity to brag, show us a little bit of what you did in 2023. You know, I don't think we saw anything headed downward. I, I was going to say, I was like, nobody's going to post their L. <laughs> well, it wasn't a lot like, of L's Yeah, yeah right. nobody, nobody just posts their L out there like, Definitely. oh, you know, I lost uh, Infinite this, this right, year. Right, right. Um, but, you know, there were... You guys are out there. I know you're out there. Like, don't you can't hide. They're all winners. Because you can't hide. But yeah, yeah. there were there were uh, a lot of straight up graphs, which you love to fucking see. Literally straight to the moon. Uh, Yeah, I got to tell you, love to see it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think we can start with your graph, actually, Tortoise. Yeah, my so there's my graph, and and this is a very looks like a heart attack. Low volume, yeah. That see, that's when that's when the gas pains. That's when you were sitting at the gas. Yeah. Um, No, like this is probably 250 hours of play. Okay. Uh, Just one, two, and two, three. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like when we talk about goals, like my my goal really is to put in more volume and try to see what my run rate really is. And I don't know if I can ever you can ever really know 
but like so like um you know last year i didn't play a lot okay i only started playing cash you know in the fall and so um so i didn't put in a lot of volume and you know there was some travel days in there so like i didn't i didn't play as much as i wanted to um but i you know i did win and it was the first time i actually started grinding cash in years yeah and i was playing a lot of tournaments mm -hmm. and to actually go and show up at the casino day in and day out and and grind cash so like it felt good getting Especially, back into it but it felt like i needed to like there was like a little bit of a, a relearning process of how, yeah. how live cash works well the big thing is i talked to joanne about this uh mm -hmm. you guys may remember mama joe we had her on an episode um yep. but she was a former academy attendee like we we work hand in hand in a lot of projects uh i help her with poker as much as i can and she's like very good very studied like really gets the live dynamic and you know at some deep sick level i think enjoys the grind mm -hmm. but i was talking to her about it and it's like the frustrating thing especially when you're in the one th when you're in the capped games so anything that falls in the capped realm one three yeah. all the way up to five ten mostly let's call mid stakes it. yeah load of mid stakes when yeah. you're in that realm where um you know you're not really going to be swinging much more than a buy-in uh when you zoom way out and look at the graph like mm -hmm. it's just gonna be kind of like that climb of yeah. a buy-in at a time right so your bad days are gonna look like two or three buy-ins like oh. that you've lost well, like in a day or something. well no that's kind of the thing that's what i was explaining to her is like the 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 like a real bad day is two buy-ins well no then, it's not that it's oh. that the pain and the torture of showing up every single day and putting in 10 hours in order to make your 75 dollars an hour yeah comes with a lot a lot of hours where you're making zero dollars right it's so mm -hmm. many hours of making zero dollars mm -hmm. to then have a short stint where you just make like eight hundred dollars an hour yeah over like 15 hours right and then you just go back to making zero dollars <laughs> for like a hundred yeah. hours that that is that's a very good um description of of what it for me, what it felt like just in these 300 hours or whatever I've been playing, yeah. right? Where it's just like you, you'll win a bunch and then, or, or you or you might like just like run bad and lose a bunch, right? Yeah. So it's like you but, go on like but three it just or comes four in sessions. such waves. Yes. You go like, like you go like, you know, a week and you just can't lose and you're just like piling chips. And then you'll go like four or five sessions and you just, get cooled off or you just lose and yeah. it's just there's like nothing you can do and you're just like i'm just losing today and it's just like everything in between is where you make your win rate it feels like yes 100 percent. and mm -hmm. well that, that's the thing you're making your win rate kind of like at, at, at the extremes um or i should say the extremes are attributing to what your true win, win rate is but mm -hmm. like most of most of it is like won and lost in the muck right like yes for for sure the, that that's how it feels it feels like like you're when you're like winning like a lot like you're just crushing it mm -hmm. you're just you're running really good right and when you're losing and you're getting crushed you're like running really bad but like it's everything in between and how much you win when yeah. you're winning and how much you lose when you're losing and all those little decisions that you make these river payoffs whatever it is right, right. making the right betting sizes finding the value that's where all the difference becomes. Yeah, so much, of, so much of like what your bottom line will be attributed to is uh, how lazy you get the closer you are to zero, mm -hmm. right? 
And I, I specifically talk about this with, with regards to the capped games because, you know, the, the vast majority of your sessions now are going to be like plus or minus 20 big blinds. And that's just not really meaningful to anybody, no matter mm -hmm. what stakes you're playing. Like, right. even if you're playing, you know, 501K, winning mm -hmm. or losing 20K at those stakes just is not, it, it's a non-event. Yeah. You know, it just like doesn't really matter. So when you're, when you're like recognizing this, especially the lower the stakes you get, because now 20 blinds represents very little actual practical money. Right. Right. You're like, God, I just played 10 hours today at one three. And I made $60, right? And then you start to go, like, it's like $6 an hour. And I'm like working for less than minimum wage, yada, yada, yada. And it's not really representative of your true graph. Right, yeah. You can't really look zoomed at, in. You, cannot, you can't look at that right. You can't do that, right? Where you're like, I made $6 an hour today. Well, like, yeah, some days you're going to make, you know, $500 exactly. an hour. And it's just like, well, that's not sustainable, but neither is the $6 an right. hour. But the, the difficulty is that there's going to be a lot mm -hmm. of $6 days right. strung together. Yeah. And I think what allow like from my vantage point, what alleviates that is like when you do get to play uncapped games, mm -hmm. right? So like a lot of my swings up and down are like plus or minus 20K. Yeah. Those aren't non-events. Like that's a significant amount of money. And it's a significant amount of big blinds. Like the the standard deviations in, in the uncapped games are like 250 big blinds per hundred. Mm -hmm. Where like in a capped game, it's like less than half of that. You know, it's like maybe a nine max capped game is maybe like a hundred big blinds per hundred. Yeah. So like it's so vastly different where, you know, uh, I, I just went on an 800 hour break even stretch. But I just felt like throughout the entire 800 hours that I was just losing consistently or winning consistently. <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm on this big downswing. I'm on like 350K downswing. And it's been going on for like three months. And I look at it and it's just like minus 15K, minus 18K, minus 21K. Yeah. And, you know, they're all reasonably small losses because when you look at my, when you, when you zoom out at the graph altogether, it's like every winning session is like plus 80k plus 75k plus yeah. 90k plus 120 right. and then you know you have these big losses that offset so like you just have like a minus 100k day and then it's like small loss small loss small loss small loss small loss and it just feels like you're losing always it's hard to keep it into perspective yeah it really it's is. very challenging yeah. um but it's easier whenever the money matters right what i was explaining to mama joe is like it's so fucking hard when you're playing for bill money and your daily swing is pocket change. Yeah. Right? Because now it seems like there's no escape. And tournaments become so sexy. Because it's like, well, I could just play for three days and rip off a 100K score. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's my yearly take yeah. in cash. Mm -hmm. You know? And I think it's really difficult to just stay the course and show up day in and day out and just execute. Yeah. Uh, that, that, I guess, from my perspective of, of being a coach, is probably the hardest thing to teach somebody like either you got it or you don't you know you either have the sickness of like showing up with a smile on your face and taking pleasure in torturing people in other ways mm -hmm. or taking pleasure in making like plus ev decisions that didn't yield dollars uh or you don't right like it's it's almost impossible to escape that that hellscape that is small stakes yeah. without having like a long view approach Red this, is, this is actually such yeah. a loaded conversation i think we'll talk about this um in the future um, what it actually takes 
to start playing full-time meaning like your only income is to play full-time and what your bankroll needs to look like what your life role needs to look like mm -hmm. what your mindset needs to look like like it is incredibly tough and i think people underestimate how much money you actually need mm -hmm. to play even two five yeah and yeah. what kind of lifestyle you want to live are you going to have a car are you going to live with people are you going to live by yourself like it's pretty steep yeah yeah i i think i think there are some caveats to that but like the general without getting into the discussion because i do think it's one we could have another day the general uh i guess line in the sand that i would have is do you have a nest egg like if you have a nest egg then you know you can take a shot if you don't Allah have a lot of money then you better have a lot of fucking talent yeah right mm -hmm. and i think that those are two very different conversations to have if you're really rich in talent then money isn't necessarily as big of a problem. If you're really rich in money, then talent can be curated. You know, um, they kind of play. It's it's when you lack both, but they just have a strong desire to do it. It's like you're not ready yet. Yeah, uh, and I think that that's kind of like the the biggest thing people miss. Speaking of talent, yeah, how'd Holy you do? Shit, look at you. Look at Guapo. Wow, wow. look at that sample size, guys. Yeah, hundred really, hours. Yeah, <laughs> really out there grinding. Twenty five sessions. Why didn't you include your online graph? Uh, because I play on WSOP. Yeah. There's no graph. You just see the account get bigger yeah. every day. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you could log your, you could log your, uh, your yeah, online you do it just the same as you do. There. Yeah. yeah. I used to do that. Did yeah. you? Then I just got too rich, you know, killing oh. everybody. Oh, yeah. At and L. Yeah. My goals are actually, I'll keep this really short. Um, for poker wise, I want to try to put in at least 500 hours. Um, I'm definitely working live a lot or more. in general. Uh, five hundred live. I'll okay. take. I'll take the under. Yeah. I, 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 I too will take whatever. I want to whatever you want to bet. I'll bet. It comes out to forty want. hours every month. Um, I'm working a lot more this year. Mm -hmm. Um, they're leaving. But us. I think I can do it. And then I have a magic number. I'd like to make somewhere between thirty to forty dollars an hour playing with Tortoise at two three. So when I come oh. back from my little vacay. Uh, well, the good news is, if you only play 500 hours, you could easily make like 120 dollars an hour. Yeah. Oh, I see. You just I run see. hot. See, this yeah. is where he talks about how you can't make 30 bucks an hour. Well, you can't, but over 500 hours, you could definitely sun run. And that's yeah. why I'm bringing up my boy, Senora Gomez. Okay. Yeah, Derek. Speaking now. of sun run, shout out Ooh. to Derek, fellow, fellow Academy attendee. That's right. He is actually mashing it. This is all at one two one three. I yeah. One two. One two. Okay. Just, just one strictly two. one two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Half uh, at the jewel, half at Manly Bay, I think. Game Maybe. selecting, it it matters, yeah. team. That that graph is so. That's like what a. Uh, it looks like an online graph, honestly. <laughs> who, who's online graph? Talk about uh, up only. Only. The, the guys that are fucking the guys that are playing like six tables. Only. Man, yeah, like that. That's uh, that that is a. I'm making seventy big blinds per hour. He is per all for rather. taking you on, taking you up I know on he's your trying bet. Trying to steal my action. Well, you, your action's never going to happen because it's going to take you ten years to put in what, a thousand hours. What, what was the over under of hourly that I gave? Ten. Ten bucks. Ten bucks. Yeah. Okay, he's going to make more than ten bucks. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, it'd be even if he regressed to the mean. It seems as though the mean is going to be higher than ten dollars. Mm -hmm. But I, I will say that uh, with every call it thousand hours that Derek puts in. I think that that hourly continues to to regress. Yeah, uh, you know, whatever. Like, like I said, uh, basically, I just don't think that this is a true hourly. Yeah, right. Um, but it, but I think but it's a clear be, indicator. But you'd be that, willing to spot him like twenty bucks an hour, like, that he could possibly make twenty bucks an hour. I don't know because yeah. uh, what I would take away from that graph is it's a large enough sample for me to think that he's one of the five best players in the pool. Mm -hmm. So, like, whatever the max win rate is at one two. 
I think Derek is he'll probably be, he'll be up there in the in the top percentile. Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, of attempting uh, to do it. Uh, uh, you know, fellow academy attendee too. Let's not throw that. Oh, Guapa threw it, threw it out there. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah you know, it's alright. You don't listen. It's fine. That's right. I just <laughs> want to make sure everyone heard. <laughs> we know the low manager is putting his pants on. Uh, speaking <laughs> of one of our students, uh, big shout out to Katie Marshall. She put her, uh, I almost said chart her graph in here. Uh, she said sub the software wide during the pandemic while playing in the stars home game group. No regrets. 600 hours, mostly tournaments all live 2023. This is, uh, also like very yeah. straight up yeah. for an MTT player. Yeah. Like MTT players are usually the swingiest mm -hmm. where you just see the big spikes and the long falls, you yeah. know, uh, with the exception of like bin Wang, wow. usually, usually what you'll see is like, uh, small decline assuming that you don't just rip one off out of the beginning and then you get a big score and then you just steadily decline mm -hmm. and then you have a score and then you know I mean it's just this it's this like rampant uh, ascent to only slowly decline back to the mean uh, over GPI and over. player of the year right who uh, Ben Wynn oh yeah, that yeah just, that. you're right that was just announced uh, I forgot about that you know what that means the awards are coming soon. Oh, oh, that's right. The awards are coming soon. And I can't wear the suit that I wore last year because I'm a fat piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> what, you think we're going to be nominated? Yeah. Come on. Wow. Come Very on. presumptuous wow. of you. Guapo, how dare you, mm -hmm. sir? And by the way... A lot of good podcasts out Yeah, I think there. it's like, yeah, even if, you know, if we are nominated, be lucky enough to be nominated. Right, yes. Uh, you know... I just want I to think thank the, the awards Academy. Are not, yeah, I don't think the awards for like three months. No, you, I remember them being at the beginning of the year, weren't they? No, I think it's in March. March, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. You got, got time. time. You got you time. You time. Let them down, baby. That's right. Yeah. You better because you're giving the speech if we win. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm kidding. It's going to be you and Conrad. <laughs> What's popping? <laughs> that would be where I slap him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Dude, that would be so oh, amazing. Oh, just save so it. Good. Save right it right for that moment. Oh, like, my God. Uh, I just want to thank everybody, but pardon me one second. I have something to do. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you could gift that slap to uh, Vertucci. Oh no. 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 That would that would be a fist fight for You're sure. Moving on. Yeah. Moving on. How about yeah, Ray? Moving. All right. <laughs> Shout out to Ray. Two three cash and online MTTs uh paid off in the end. So I use this app also. I think the white line is MTTs. I know the blue line is cash for sure. Uh and the yellow line I believe is total. But that doesn't mm, the yellow line doesn't make sense then because he Wins in both cash and tournaments, but it looks like it drops his total. It looks like the white and the blue are, are aligned with each other. So no, the blue stops around 10K. But, I mean, for the most of the graph, it's like tracking exactly the same. So that can't, uh, be, it can't be cash and... Uh, one can't oh, be oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Yellow is MTT. White go. is total. That makes sense. Yes. That yeah, makes yeah. more sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, it looks like he made uh, around 10K in cash and around, I don't know, 13K or so, 14K in tournaments. Nice. Big Half shout out to Ray. What's Half up? A Tesla. Half a Tesla. Wow, they're going cheap these days. <laughs> Back in my day, Teslas. Uh, Matthew Kagan, he said, I endured my worst downswing ever, but came out the other side before the Software Academy this month. So it looks like he's on his way out here. Yep. We're going to try to improve upon, I don't know if we can improve upon nine big blinds per hour. Oh, we can do it. I mean... We'll get you to 10. Yeah. 
We'll get you to 10. Th- th- this is a pretty good win rate. But, you know, also sample. Sample. You know. Shout out to Maybe. Lee Jones. He said, Happy New Year, gents. At Guapo. Set specific goals for number of hours. A specific win rate makes no sense because you can't control that. I agree. I think whenever you're setting goals, uh, you should lean into volume-based goals because you can mm-hmm. control that. That's that's what I'm... That's like what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking like I want to put in, you know, maybe a thousand hours. Yeah. Um, and then let, we'll see what where I end up. Yeah. Right. I want to improve on my game. Right. Study, play, and then at the and then at the end of the, the year, when we post these graphs again next year, hopefully, we see you know up only. Yeah. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Lee also said thinking poker one time. I I every single year. I campaign for Brokus to win the GPI award for podcast of the year. Mm-hmm. I, I think that they've done a fantastic job over there and don't get recognized enough. For sure. Uh, so I'll be doing that again this year. Uh, I do have to read this one thing from the chat before we get to this last chart. Uh, Jorns5 said, did I just spot a young tortoise on Mamoni's 2009 main event rail? Yeah, <laughs> you're goddamn right. You, you did. definitely did. You, I was you're there. Damn right. We were there. Mm-hmm. Fu fifteen was sleeping on our floor. Oh man, Pete was in the office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> man, the the story here is that uh, Nick Mamoni, Fu fifteen, uh, I think he got fifteenth in the main event that year. Something like that. He was li- he was literally like crashing at our place, <laughs> sleeping on the floor. And one morning we had these like really high windows that. You know, they, they had no treatments on them. Um, they were just there for natural light. And uh, they were in the living room where Nick was sleeping. So around, you know, 6.45-ish, whatever, whenever the sun would rise uh, and get high enough in the sky that it would start pe- peeking through, he would just wake up. And we had another roommate, uh, Pete Ricosi, who was sleeping in the office, which was like adjacent to the living mm-hmm. room, but a, you know, didn't have any windows. Was an air dark. mattress in the, in yeah. the office? No know? big deal. It was dark. He was able to, you know, get a good night's sleep. So Nick wakes up one morning, who knows what time, very early, I'm sure. And he's just laying on the couch, moaning, going, Pete, <laughs> Pete, <laughs> what time is it, Pete? <laughs> As if like he can't look himself. Uh, so, uh, Needless to say, he wasn't welcome back. <laughs> after after he made his deep run, we we said, "Hey, time to go get a well, hotel." He was but, rich then. Yeah, yeah, he was real rich. Yeah, a lot of our a lot of our little group went deep in the main around mm-hmm. that time frame. Uh, Phil Collins final table in 2011. Yeah. Ben also Ben Lamb, I believe final table 20, not, 2009. Same, same. Or did final table? Sorry, he got like 14th. He final table the same year as um, and then made the Phil final did. table with Phil in 2011. Yeah, yeah, and then made it again uh, a couple years back. Yeah. 2017, I think. All right, let's get to these last graphs. Uh, Chevo says, first year studying and tracking results. All one, two, or one, three. Two sessions of two, five. Puts up 13,000. It's pretty good. Uh, we don't, we don't like, see the that hours looks like here. eight sessions. Yeah, that's, that's what I was looking at. <laughs> well, how, I, I, how I can you know? Because how oh, the because graph, like, the the points, graph, right. how the like points each, go. Each point, one, two, I don't understand how you four. made $13,000 at one two in, yeah like nine sessions in, this is not i don't know this isn't adding up to me i mean <laughs> bro did good i mean maybe it's an uncapped one it might be uncapped because it looks like he won four thousand and three thousand <laughs> this one's great <laughs> yes but in yellow oh, that's amazing <laughs> well yeah, done grant sorry. nice job grant there's always yep. one in the group <laughs> oh man 
Well, congratulations to everybody out there who showed the oh, graph. Oh, Berkies. Dude, that is, that is a long break even. Like, that would drive me crazy. Well, mm-hmm. well you have to <laughs> Thanks, look at Airball. it, though. Like, it's only... If Airball wasn't in there, you'd be down. <laughs> yeah. It's only break even at the bookends. Right. Right? Like, throughout the, eight, throughout the 800 hours, I did a lot of fucking swinging. It was a lot of ups and downs. Uh, I, like I said, I went on multiple 300K downswings and multiple 300K upswings. But when you bookend it, like from hour 400 to hour 1200, sure. I made no money. Yeah. looks like it's a beautiful mountain range. Yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, you know, it's the other aspect that like, I don't think people really understand or talk about that much. Like 800 hours live, it's, it's a reasonable sample, but take that in comparison to, to get Derek, for example, right? Sure. He's played how many hours at one, three, like five, three, six, he's like almost 400. Yeah. Okay. So 400 hours. Right. And he's just smashing it for an inconceivable amount of, of money. We'll go back to my graph. Okay. If you look at the first 400 hours of my graph, I made all of my money for the year. Yeah. So I made just shy of 10,000 big blinds in 400 hours. Wow. Right. So that's going to be what? 25 big blinds an hour. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of fucking, like that's, that's an unsustainable win right. rate. Right. And then you see, and then you look at the 800 hours thereafter right. and I made zero big blinds per, per right. hundred. And then it all evens out in the end. Right. So like which, yeah. which of those is representative of my ability or in the game? Like if you zoomed into either one of those, you're going to make way different judgments of me as a player in the game. Right. Right. And the truth is neither of those win rates are sustainable. Yeah, they yeah. Just, you're not you're not going to break even right. forever, and you're not going to make twenty five big blinds. Right, they just average forever. out, and I'm making yeah. you know eight big blinds mm-hmm. per hour, which yeah. is probably pretty reasonable and probably pretty sustainable. Mm-hmm. How many how many hands do you see an hour playing live roughly? It's tough to say because like the deeper the game, the slower it tends I to mean, be. If you yeah. just had to give a rough estimate. If I had to guess, I would say probably like thirty. Thirty per yeah. Aggressive thirty. Mm-hmm. And you played how many hours last year? Uh, like twelve hundred ish. Oh, you played twelve hundred. Yeah. I thought that was eight. Oh, you were saying eight hundred hour break even. Eight hundred hour break even. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, you're looking at like forty eight hundred hands. Thirty six thousand. Or sorry, uh, I almost said forty eight hundred. Forty eight thousand. I meant. Um. <laughs> no, it's man. more than thirty six thousand. Right. I did my math yeah. wrong. It's times four, not times three. You said thirty hands an hour. Uh. Yeah. Thirty hands an hour. Time. Oh. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> you're right. I I was doing forty in my head. Okay. Right. Um. Well, so yeah, like thirty six thousand. That's crazy because online yeah. people say to really not give too much weight to your win rate mm-hmm. until you hit about a hundred thousand hands. Sure. So, but I mean, that's, that's because you're getting you're getting in a ton of volume in the same pool over a short period of time. Yeah. Like time still matters. The variables change <laughs> so drastically, mm-hmm. right? Like my game won't look the same a year and a half from now. Right. Okay. It'll be it'll be drastically different, but you know a year and a half from now, I'm only going to get to play 50,000 hands Yeah, with the group that I'm playing against now compared to the group that I'm playing mm-hmm. against. And also there are like so many outlying factors, right? Like there's a big spike with airball, So it's like, you just get to play a whale heads up for 50 hours and make, you know, a quarter of your win rate for the, or, or half of your win rate or, you know, two thirds of your win rate even. <laughs> yeah. it, it just, you, you never know, but like, these outlier events are mm-hmm. big byproducts of like what your bottom line looks like at the end of the year. Yeah, I feel like when you're like playing the stakes that Guapo and I are playing, those outlier events are very, very far and few in between, right? Like Maybe. it's like it's like when I show up to the jewel, or you know, you you go down on the strip and you're playing, you know, one, three, two, five. I mean, yeah, occasionally you might have some like 
maniac come in and spew off like 10 buy-ins. It's but funny. It's, I don't want to cut you off, but it's it. Derek particularly likes to go play really late at night because yeah. he's looking for those guys that are just yeah. coming right. out of the yeah. club, the guys mm -hmm. that are just like super wasted. And just want to just dump off a bunch of money. Right. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, that's probably, if you have the ability to do that, like I'm but never, never going to be playing. The like, outliers are slightly less important at those mm -hmm. stakes because everybody's an outlier. Like they're also bad. Yeah. They're also bad in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the, the catch 22 is right. that it's difficult to create a general strategy mm -hmm. that maximizes your win rate versus each individual and their weaknesses. Yeah. Um, but at the same token, like it's also tough to just go in and execute a theoretical strategy, mm -hmm. which in you know theory should just uh, kind of shear everybody over the long run. Yeah, because you see what's happening. Mm -hmm. Right. There are just so many points where like deviating is just worth a lot more. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very curious, like, cause I think I, in my head, I think I know what my win rate is, but you can never really know. And I mean, I guess, so that's like, I guess you think like a thousand hours is a, is a good I think sample size. I, I think, right. Cause I, I would like 500 to know, like, starts to do a good job right. with thousands. Yeah. Pretty. Like after 500, after a thousand hours, I would like to see like, okay, where am I at? Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess like the big thing to just, bear in mind is like you can have these very long break-even stretches yeah, so it's sure. like you want to be able to play long enough to allow that to flesh out right and then kind of like revisit and say like okay well what's my true winner because like after 400 hours this year it's like well i know that i'm not winning 30 30 big blinds per 100 <laughs> right like i i just know that yeah. that's not accurate yeah. so what am i going to regress to mm -hmm. like what's a reasonable number even that you're not arrogant enough to think right <laughs> right <laughs> It's very fair. I think I'm going to start my own staking stable at uh at one two and one three and oh, just yeah? I'm going to see how that works out. I'm okay. going to be the JMO of the one two one three. Yeah. Uh, well, before we get to <laughs> before we get to all that and me talk you out of it, uh, <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Pad's reaction to uh, some of the responses of the current online ecosystem. Uh, I think this dovetails nicely with the conversation that we had yesterday about GG and the. Uh, the hacking that took place. Uh, so it's gonna be a short video we're gonna play for you real quick. Good, um, but this is a tough conversation for amateur poker players and professional poker players. We need to stop playing on all of these sites. It's a joke. The amount of cheating which has been going on and the amount of respect that we get back from the sites and from the ambassadors is just a joke. Like we always see the ambassadors, hey, sign up to this site. Oh yeah, play on this site. They put their face on the site. They put their referral link. They do whatever. They post, they retweet. And then we get cheated out of millions and we hear nothing, crickets. Like it's so disrespectful. You know, they, oh, of course, but you know, like they wouldn't get their paycheck if they, if they come out against a site or say anything or talk about it. Then don't take the fucking paycheck. You know, we are your fucking friends, your colleagues, your peers, and you ambassador for a site if the site is cheating us out of 5 million 10 million 15 million whatever the millions is we turn up every day on the site you tell us to play on we register we register we register we pay all the rake and we get cheated and we hear nothing nothing we don't hear anything it's like oh yeah nothing no tweets this week no tweets next week oh like have you seen my youtube video oh have you seen this or this going on oh i'm at this like spa retreat fuck the spa retreat fuck your youtube video fuck everything else we're getting cheated out of millions where the fuck is our millions coming back from you know it's fine to close down 50 accounts and do all this stuff but where's the money going you know if you say oh well they withdrew the money that's not our problem that's your problem you're offering the game for us we are playing there because you say come and play there if you haven't invested in a big enough security team and you've spent money doing x promotion or y promotion then work it out 
work it out. Work out where this money's going and give it back to us because it's our money. They've not stolen it from you. They've stolen it from us. If you pay us back the money, they've stolen it from you. But if you don't pay us back this millions of money, then they've stolen it from us. So we've had millions of dollars stolen from us. Our ambassadors don't say anything. We don't hear anything. They're like, oh, you know, bro, can't say anything. It's in my contract. Fucking rip the contract up and throw it away then, you know? Because do you really want to represent a side or sites like this where we are getting where your peers are getting fucked? You sit like, opposite us at the poker table in these live tournaments, smile and we're best friends. But where the fuck's our money? It's gone, you know? And it's just not, it's insane. And if we keep playing on all of these sites, then what's the fucking point? Of course, people will keep doing the same. If we don't change it, then nothing will change it. So this is a tough conversation for myself, I guess. that he's willing to kind of come out and say this type of stuff uh i don't think that i don't think people understand necessarily how much those of us that are willing to talk cut off our nose despite our face yeah like no one's throwing free money at the person who's outspoken against the industry as a whole whenever they're not acting in the best uh manner for the consumer do you think that video was a shot at anyone in particular maybe yeah <laughs> yeah I mean, I mean like I, I'm glad he wasn't specific because it doesn't help him to be mm -hmm. and the whole online landscape has its own problems uh, I'm just curious if if that were directed more specifically towards like ACR or I, GG I, I was thinking ACR yeah oh, that's funny I was thinking GG well GG's most recent and I was thinking I was it seemed as though he was kind of like speaking a little bit about Negranu there uh, at different parts, but I think that there's a, I could see where it like leans a little bit more towards ACR because there's so much shilling that takes place right. by their pros, especially. Mm -hmm. um, and I get it. Like you're, you're meant to, to kind of, I guess like be the go between uh, between the the figureheads at the company and and the the community at large and and for what it's worth like look does daniel deserve some shit for being in a position that he's in uh representing a site that just had a big hacking scandal 100 percent um but has he done pretty well by the community throughout his career yeah. i would argue yes for sure you know so it's like I'll never, I'll never say that like anyone necessarily deserves a pass, but um, I do think that it's tough to just say like if if the site isn't doing right by your standards, then just walk. It's a really powerful thing to do, right? Like Ike did it with Stars, mm -hmm. where he was just he was the first one to kind of defect, where he was like, I don't like what you guys are doing with the Supernova Elite thing. I'm fucking out and I'm going to be public about it. And the irony is that like he gets bashed more than anybody because, you know, he fucking wears a mask and like, you know, doesn't necessarily align socially with, with everybody else. Um, but I think that like, that's a really difficult and noble thing to do when you're getting a lot of money. Now, Ike does really well for himself and he was independently pretty well off just from winning at poker, which is good. Uh, and you could probably say the same about a lot of the other ambassadors too. It is very strange to me that Gigi didn't 
make a more conscientious effort to message through their ambassadors, yeah. right? Because of all the sites uh, that, that I guess have spokespeople for them, I think that we trust the GG ambassadors more than most. Um, I don't know if Fedor is still involved there or not, but like he was at one point, you know, a part of the company and to a large degree a face of the company. Obviously, Dean Eggs is absolutely the face of the company. Um, you have guys like Elki who have been around forever, former stars representative like Daniel. Um, you know, the uh I'm trying to think of like Jason Coons. Right. Coon is, is is a part of that and you know, also part of the integrity council that was formed during the Jake and uh, Ali cheating scandal. And I think that that's more of the bigger point that I want to touch on here from the pads video because uh, yeah, whatever. Like that was a fun thing for us to talk about. Like, oh, who is he implying and like what site? But the larger problem at hand and one that we so quickly move on from because we forget about it instantaneously because the news cycle churns and something else occurs. But He's talking about millions and millions and millions of dollars. And if you're one of the operators, you're going to say, look, point to it. Where? Where Where are these millions of dollars coming from, right? Because we just caught uh, a hacker who only took 75000 and we refunded it. You know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Or, uh, you know, in, in more recent history, like Project Baby uh, on Global, like who knows how much he took, but like we, we issued refunds and we think it was fair, that type of stuff. Go back to the timeline. We've only been a podcast for two years. Yeah, less. It'll be less. two years in March, right? Right. So just just shy of 24 months, like 22 months-ish, 21 months. And we've covered the Ali cheating scandal, the Jake Schindler cheating scandal, both RTAing. Mm -hmm. RJL. Uh, the Robbie J. Lou, we don't, we don't know what the fuck was happening there, but like, you know, something occurred. And granted, that was in the live realm, so it's a little bit... Uh, less important to this combo, but mm -hmm. uh, we covered Jake and Ali. We covered um, the the suspicion with Bryn and uh, you know ghosting and multi accounting. That's that's obviously a very big deal. Uh, we covered all of the stuff that the GTO Wizard fair play check uncovered, which uh, was a lot of maybe loose RTAing. Mm -hmm. um, the reemergence of Ali on ACR doing the same multi-accounting RTAing type of bit. Uh, the most recent hacking, there were some other instances throughout the last year and a half uh, that, that were covered on ACR. Um, prior to us launching this podcast, there was the uh, Fedor Cruz thing. That, uh, this is all within like a two-year time span. Yeah. Right? So it's like when we start to add up all of that money, that was taken who knows how many mm -hmm. millions of dollars a guy like in the Ali was able to get yeah. right and then we start talking about all of the cheating and nefarious activity that maybe goes undetected mm -hmm. right that's even more money i think the most poignant point or or, or the most um pointed uh point that that pads made here is that they're not stealing this money from the site they're stealing it from the consumer right Right until the site makes good on every penny that is yeah. that that's been taken in mm -hmm. an unfair way, uh, then it just boils down to your customers are constantly at risk. Right. Yeah, they're not stealing rake. <laughs> right. Right. And yeah. that's a really hard thing to get over. Mm -hmm. Right. When you when you start to frame it that way, it's like, why on earth are we fucking doing business here? 
Yeah. Right? We make fun of the people who constantly go to home games and then get cheated. Like, it's a meme on here. Right. We literally meme about it. Like, the yeah. Wesley thing, the airball thing. Like, <laughs> you know, we, we, we cover it as honestly as we can. But at the end of the day, it always just boils back down to, like, well, you're an idiot. <laughs> you went to a fucking game that was clearly going to get cheated at right. some point in some capacity. And you knew what you were getting. yourself. And we always just say, like, well, buyer beware. Like, this, this falls on you. It's your responsibility. Because there are legalized casinos that won't cheat you. Mm -hmm. Right. But what happens when the legalized casino does cheat you? Yeah. And not the entity itself, but the people who are involved in it. Because that's currently what's happening online, right? So I think Pad's message is like, what are we doing? Yeah. Why do we show up and keep paying rake? Right. You know? And it's tough because none of us in a position to message to the community at large want to incentivize an entire ecosystem to collapse. Nothing good comes no. from that. No. The we game want, we want to see online thrive, and, right? but we want it to be safe. We want everyone to know when they log in and sit down at the table that they're not going to be cheated. They're going to be able to play a fair game. They're going to let their skills determine whether they win or lose. Right. And some luck. Yeah, of course. But, you know, right. it doesn't benefit anyone for the game to get smaller. Yeah. And certainly losing a, a, a large arm of the ecosystem is only going to shrink the game. Like the same as it would if we outlawed tournaments tomorrow. Right? If we said no more live tournaments ever, poker doesn't grow. It shrinks. Yeah. For sure, it shrinks. Like the barrier of entry just gets much higher. And, you know, suddenly, like people just stop showing up. It's not fun anymore. There's a bigger commitment to it, yada, yada, yada. So I, I think that, like, Pads is almost sending this message out of desperation, right? Like he recently announced that he's bringing uh, BitB staking back. He wants to be uh, a, a stable manager again. He wants to help grow the game from that side and again when we're talking about the economics of things like stables are so critical to the online landscape there just really isn't these prize pools in the online mtts without these stables but there's a host of problems that come from these stables as well and i'm not inferring anything about bit b but just in a general sense like we don't know which of these stables are operating uh you know by a strict code versus you know card sharing versus uh chip you know, dumping chip dumping uh, yeah i mean sorry you're you're right to because we're just speculating right, right. we don't mm -hmm. know what's happening we just know what's available to happen they could all be in the same room together there could be ghosting that takes place like there's so much that's difficult to police but along the same lines these prize pools just do not exist without these staking uh houses right yeah. so where do we go to from here right everybody's interests are aligned in cleaning up the community and ensuring that online is a safe place for us to gamble. But currently in its, in its 2024 state, especially being segregated between apps and, and regulated sites and mm -hmm. then unregulated sites, it just feels so much more wild, wild west than it may have even been in 2003. <laughs> Which is insane. I, I mean, I, I'm sure there was tons of cheating going on back then too. It was so much less sophisticated. It was though. less sophisticated, but it, it just probably a lot of it went undetected. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a yeah, lot of this the, is born out of right. the sophistication of the game. The game has <laughs> mm -hmm. matured. Yeah, and there was we no know such so thing as RTAing back then. Right. Yeah. And ghosting was not that important because everybody was stupid. <laughs> yeah. You know? So you have a bad right. player getting ghosted by a bad player. Like, yeah. whatever. Like, a lot of it's just going to be variants. Yeah. But now it's so different. We have mm -hmm. so much power at our fingertips. Yeah. You know, like, uh, 
Landon's kind of been watching these poker go final tables and like every hand blunder 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 it's like well yeah man you have fucking uh hrc right in front of you you can you can but they're in game they don't have that available to them you know so it's like demonstrates how powerful these tools fucking are right when you look at like a guy like bonomo who's one of the best he's so established and so accomplished and then he makes a 3k error at the final table <laughs> right and like landon can identify that in 30 seconds because he has the sim right fucking in front of him right so imagine if you didn't actually have to make the decision in real time like bonomo is it's just there for you but instead somebody just feeds it to you yeah you know it's like yeah. how could anyone not profit in those regards right and I don't know if this is just a security thing. I don't know if it's a cultural thing. I don't know like where the operators stand as far as like helping to make this better. But I think from our perspective and the message that PADS is getting out there is like, we just want to be more in the know. You know, we just want to be more involved in all of this. We want to have uh, a better understanding of where this fucking money's going. So you're banning all these accounts. You found a hundred bots and you banned them all, where'd all the money go that they stole? Mm -hmm. You know, where are the refunds? How can a botting ring exist for X amount of days, months, years, and I, as a person who played in this pool regularly, get, you know, a few hundred dollars back as a refund? Well, that can't possibly be what their win rate was. Not at all. You know, like, it, it should be, I'm sure they're winning as much, if not more than rake, so how am I getting less than what my rake back would be? That doesn't make any fucking sense. Mm -hmm. Stars was like the one site that really did a great job about this, at least in the early parts of post Black Friday. We saw a lot of money getting pushed back, like via um, people getting banned. Now, granted, they might have been a little trigger happy with the bans. Like they banned Schindler. They banned. Um, I can never remember his name. It starts with a V. He got second in the main event. Um, man, it's it's escaping me right now. But uh, anyway, they banned him after winning like a scoop for 750k. And both of these were just because they were VPNing. They yeah. weren't even doing anything to right. give themselves an edge. Right. They were just allowing themselves to play. Yeah. Right. So, you know, to to have like 750k redistributed amongst the prize pool because that person's been gone. And, you know, they, they froze the money. Like, they didn't allow it to, to be laundered out or, or whatever the case may be. As far as I understand, they did a good job. But, like, I think Pad's uh, point is very crucial in understanding that, like, when millions of dollars are being taken from the community through bad actors, it has to fall. It's like some responsibility has to fall on the operator, right? And maybe we shouldn't be absolved completely as customers. No, right. Maybe it's like we we knew what we were getting ourselves like why, into. Yeah, we're putting ourselves in that position to get impeded. Uh, right. But maybe that just only applies to people who are playing on apps. Because there is no real security or regulation right, there. Right. You know, you're definitely... You know, like any, that's any, like going to a home game, right? I feel like anybody that that logs in and plays on these apps is like already knows the inherent risk that they're they're taking just by playing, or they're will willingly ignorant, willfully ignorant, whatever. Maybe yeah. I, I mean I don't know, but like you're right that that to me is like going to a home game. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you get cheated on you know a major site yeah. like GG or Stars or ACR or whatever, 
That's like showing up to the Bellagio right. and finding exactly. out that like somebody's been yeah. cheating your game. When you're for in a home year. game and you're in an app, you know that the possibility of getting cheated is much greater than it is if you, if you use these other yeah. outlets. Yeah, so really, really passionate speech there by Pads. I don't know if it's going to impart any change moving forward. Uh, I do know that people will see it, though, and I think that that's important. I think it does spark the conversation, which I also think is very important. Where it goes to from here, I have no clue, man. Nice to see a tough combo back in the mix, you know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to shout out to, to Jaffe. <laughs> he's, he's doing the Lord's work, letting people mm -hmm. just borrow his bit. Yep. Uh, all right, let's, uh, let's wrap this up with uh, the JMO thread. This could very easily devolve into a very long conversation, but that's not really the intention that I have with it. I, I just kind of want to speak on his experience and then talk a little bit about uh, what I think he kind of nails and then areas where I think maybe there's a little bit of discretion that could be used. Uh, so in essence, he kind of just like put himself out there to test some shit. Oh, wait, we still have an in the muck to get to too. So sorry, this isn't what we're going to wrap on. Yeah. My bad. Um, you guys are in for a treat. Uh, okay, so basically he bought around $4 million in action over the course of the year, uh, both in MTTs as well as cash games ranging from $25.50 to $1K, $2K. Uh, and most of the points that he makes here that I think are the best to consider and the most valid are that the community especially the the buyers market and the sellers market is very insulated so the best buys are going to be done privately um now this may be done in mass through like uh there are some uh, for lack of a better word markets out there like there are a lot of uh telegram groups and, and things of that nature very similar to crypto right like uh a lot of peer-to-peer -peer, um money exchanges are done through these like groups where uh you know <clears throat> one person needs one person uh is selling whatever and they just do exchanges right same thing kind of ha happens with action buying um and it's very insulated to a small group of people like the majority of the high rollers are just backed by a very small collective it's almost like fantasy sports to them <laughs> you know maybe a half dozen or a dozen guys are managing like 30 or 40 high rollers and uh, kind of just divvying them up amongst each other and then, you know, taking whatever percent of the profits uh, they're ultimately buying when it's said and done. And basically what he was saying is that, like, you know, he's not super networked, so he wasn't privy to a lot of those good buys. And what ultimately happened was he was forced to buy publicly. Now, uh, despite the fact that he showed a pretty good return, uh, making about 125% ROI, he said that he got really lucky along the way and would actually have just shorted almost all the action that was posted live. Um, I think that that's reasonable. And I think that there is a demand for that. Uh, one in which Mike McDonald actually used to meet with poker shares. The issue is that, and this is where I kind of take, a, a, or want to give a little bit of pushback to, to JMO's um, thread, is that nobody's anywhere close to as sharp as they think they are. On either side, yeah. right? So I think a lot of people are selling at a rate that they're probably not beating. And most of them are probably ignorant to the fact that they're not beating that rate. But I also think that like, uh, from the seller side or like from JMO's perspective, you're nowhere near as sharp as you think when it comes to shorting, right? So 
all you know the amount of volume you'd have to put in is so excessive and it's so difficult to actually accumulate Ever. right um i think better ways to short are like what brewer did with the main event where you just take a flat bet and allow people to choose 50 players uh or you take like some sort of cross book where uh they take x amount of players and uh you offer them y amount of markup on that uh, and then you crossbook a small percentage of that, whatever the case may be. But basically, like creating volume through the amount of people that you're shorting rather than the amount of events, because it's just difficult. You're not going to really understand what somebody's true ROI is in a Florida 3500 main event uh, where you know there are a bunch of retirees just giving it away. It's <laughs> easy to say that the best in the field are winning at 300%. It's also very easy to say that it's capped at like 50%. Yeah. We just don't know. And the, the more, the more like lost we are on what the ceiling win rate is, the greater the margin of error. Right. Um, so like with high rollers, there isn't really a lot of room for margin of error. And in that regard, I understand what he's saying. Like when people are selling for high rollers, if they're off, by like 1%, that's pretty significant because there isn't a lot of win rate available. Yeah. You know, almost everybody who signs up outside of the recreationals looks as though they could be winning in the field because they are probably pretty good at fucking poker. The issue is, is that uh, the losers in the field, the, or the obvious losers in the field, the recreationals, let's say they're losing it, you know, minus 25% ROI on, on the aggregate. The issue is, is that like, if we're talking about a 50 player field, where there are, call it, 10 recreationals, right? And of those 10, they're losing, you know, collectively on average um, 25 buy-ins, something along those lines, right? Or sorry, it would be less. They're losing 25%. Um, so they're, they're actually losing like two and a half buy-ins on, on their 10. Most of that's getting sucked up by the top, the people who have the biggest win rate. So it's not... It's not evenly distributed amongst the field. You can't say mm -hmm. they're like, oh, well, there's 10 soft spots in this. So if you're a winning poker player, you're winning in this event. Right. That's not the way that it works. The best players in that field are now maybe making like 25% ROI or 30% ROI. Who knows? Uh, instead of their usual 15% in a tough, tough field where there's no wrecks or yeah. 20, whatever, right? So there is this element of... Um, when you're closer to the break-even point or when your win rate is more dependent upon the wrecks than anything else, it's, it's very clear that being off by even a little bit is uh, very negative EV to the buyer. So if you have a win rate of 5% ROI and you sell at 1.05, there's no meat on the bone for the buyer, right? But on the surface, it can be very easy to look at somebody and say like he's very good he's studied he's definitely winning in this field 1.05 looks looks yummy to me it looks fine right but you actually just might be losing because maybe he overestimated maybe he only has a four percent roi and we're, we're splitting hairs here but the point is there's no there's no room for error and this is i think what james really speaking to is that uh when the edges are really low there's no margin of error and you can just absolutely be getting scalped you know you could be losing like 50 cents on the dollar if somebody's charging 1.1 and they're actually a break-even player or, mm -hmm. or a slight loser in the field. You know what I mean? Like you could just actually be getting crushed in this particular spot. Whereas if somebody's charging 1.2 to an open field 1K where first is going to be 1,500 buy-ins, yeah, 
and their actual ROI is break even. Whatever, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's a, it's a rounding error, right? At that point, yeah. And you know, the clear difference here is like that's a big there, there's a big gap between break even and selling at one point one. But because the margin of error is so wide and we have so much room for error, it's not noticed as much from the buy side as it would be if you buy somebody at like 1.05 and they're actually break even, mm-hmm. right? Or, right? Or even like just winning small. Uh, you kind of just get crushed there because the variance in a tough field is going to be, um, it, it's, it's going to be very present. The variance in a, in a soft field is obviously going to be present too, but you get the high side. Right, you get this reward where you actually pick the sun runner, mm-hmm. and they just win fifteen hundred buy-ins. You get to fifteen hundred x your investment, where right. like you're just capped in a high roller. You're going to ten x at most. Yeah, and if you bought a loser, like that's that may never happen. Mm-hmm. They just may never win. I had a, like yeah, little experience with this this year. So like I I had never like sold action publicly until this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, and I did sell at a markup, and you know. Of course, you're going to have people in the comments saying, like, you're a recreational player. How are you selling markup? Now, I probably could have sold at an even higher markup, at 1.2 or 1.25 or whatever. Um, I end up selling, uh, like, a package this summer at 1.15. And I th- I literally, like, legitimately thought, like, that's what it's worth. Yeah. And and I, it wasn't, I didn't, like... What did you sell that? Sorry. 1.15. Okay, yeah. And... um. You know, I was very particular in the events that I chose. Like, so I did pick these very high-valued, small buy-in tournaments, right? I wasn't playing, like, 5Ks and 3Ks, right? I was playing the Gladiator, and I was playing the Colossus, and I was playing the, you know, the Millionaire Maker. Ones where you know it's going to be filled with recreationals, and, and it's, you know, 1,500 buy-ins to first, mm-hmm. right? So um, I, I think, th- like... Your point is is yeah. In in those situations, um, I think that it, it can be fair to to sell at that price if you think that that that's what you're worth. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And again, like uh, nobody really knows. Right. So exactly because I mean, of the fields that you're selling mm-hmm. to, it's more so like basically when you're selling at one point one five into like these big open fields, you're just asking the people buying like, do you think I'm winning? Right. Exactly. Right? Like in yes. your in your best estimation, do you right. think I'm winning? Now, right. when you start selling higher, like 1.25, 1. Mm-hmm. 1.3, 1. right. 1.4, they have to be a lot more critical. Of course. And the truth yeah. of the matter is, now it sways in a direction where it's like, uh, and maybe this is true of like the high roller scene too, but probably not. Um, but like the face, the, the 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 people who are selling at face are probably like some of the best buys in the high roller mm-hmm. that are available public. Yeah. Just like the people who are selling like 1.1 1. 1 and below in uh these large fields they're probably the best gamble not because they're you know top third of the field by any stretch but because the margin of error between what they're actually winning and what they're selling at is probably relatively low whereas like if you take somebody who believes themselves to be in the top 10 percent of the field and they're selling at like 1.4 we don't even know that like 50 percent roi is available right right so it's like Mm -hmm. it's just very difficult now you're you're operating on such slim margins that becomes really challenging Mm -hmm. now all of that being said uh, the other point that he kind of makes is like, 
the the biggest the best friend to every poker player is having a network mm -hmm. and these networks like should really be leaning on one another and just like printing money off of each other right right because like you'll negotiate fair markup that way because you don't want to gouge your friends ever and uh friends also want to be helpful so they're willing to pay some sort of markup and, and tax along the way but basically like if you believe in one another and you're good at the game then you're naturally going to make each other slightly more wealthy mm -hmm. and i think that that's relatively true but I think what's missing from all of that is that collectively poker players just aren't nearly as liquid as outside investors. Right. So you still have to have that, 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 that whale. And I don't mean whale in the sense of like a, a bad player. I mean, whale in the sense of like what we would see in crypto, like the guy who's able to, mm -hmm. to just sweep the floor on stuff, right? You still need that guy who's like really dense with liquidity that believes in you you need him to be a part of your network as well right right and that's the only way that you truly get insulated mm -hmm. so i do think it's kind of like unfair to throw shots at people who are um kind of on the come up that maybe lean have already like leaned pretty hard on their network to get where to where they are mm -hmm. it's it's a big ask to then have that network also like propel them to the next level and the next level and the next level right it doesn't it doesn't always make a lot of sense um, so I, I think like, you know, putting yourself out there to sell publicly, it's a scary thing. Yeah. But you know, if, if you're being fair about it, I do think that there are probably some good buys. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do agree with like what he largely said and what was echoed by, uh, Derek, uh, Walters that, um, you know, being a part of these networks, especially if you have liquidity and the availability to, uh, kind of get in the mix and, and, uh, be a big buyer, there's a lot of money to be made for yeah. sure. Um, and I guess the last point, which was one that you were kind of touching on where you were saying you could sell higher is the notion of like leveraging celebrity right, for exactly. a higher market. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I think it's good. Go I'm well. just, I'm confused. Does this mean I should, or I shouldn't start my stable of one, three guys? <laughs> you should not. I thought we've been over this. It's, uh, it, it's terrible. All right. Um, <laughs> unless you, unless your stable is includes Derek and I, then, then <laughs> no, you'll be all right. I think Derek's rolled. He's okay. <laughs> You're just going to get stolen from is the problem. Um, you know, one, one, three players need to eat. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that um, when it comes to like leveraging celebrity and stuff like that, it's gray. It's just super gray because you're not necessarily doing anything morally unethical. It's like selling, uh, I, I hate this comparison, but like Nikki made it yesterday and I think it's kind of okay. Uh, it's like selling a t-shirt at, you know, 20x markup. Mm -hmm. Like the t-shirt costs you $12 to print. You're selling it for a hundred and people are buying it because they're big fans of yours. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, where, where does the line? I don't know. Uh, and I guess maybe it's just one of two things. Either people market it as uh, a gamble and don't imply that they're winning at whatever it is that they're selling at, or they just allow themselves to be scrutinized publicly. Mm-hmm. Either or I think is fine. Yeah. Um, but in either regard, I think that it's very fair for these types of public things to be commented on. And I think that's something that people don't understand about Twitter. They think that they could just use the app anonymously with their name attached and, you know, kind of um, speak very uh, candidly about whatever it is that they want to talk about. And then when they get criticized, it's like, why aren't you talking to me privately instead? Why are you calling me out? <laughs> Especially like me as somebody who has like a bigger platform. Uh, there's this notion of like being very mindful of like what I am willing to call out in a public space, what mm -hmm. I'm amplifying, that type of stuff. 
but i think it's a really unfair expectation to kind of just like speak off the cuff say something that deserves criticism and then get upset when it gets criticized publicly mm -hmm. right like that's just the nature of the app if you're going to do business in the public space then expect people to you know kind of like have a scrutinizing eye whenever it comes to whatever it is that you're putting out there um but yeah i think it's a really interesting conversation i think it's one that i, I would love to get jmo and maybe some other big piece buyers like uh derek walters I, I guess he does it a little bit less now but um you know people who run stables nick howard would be a good another good example maybe get like a panel of guys to come come on and give their experience because personally like i'm not a big action buyer i never have been mm -hmm. and it's largely because i don't think i'm super good at gauging prices so i'm just gambling yeah and it's like throughout my career i've done really well and gotten very lucky but that's just because i've been fortunate enough like they said to have winning friends and so like i was first in line to scoop a piece maybe i even overpaid at some points along the way but like i also have an pretty good comprehension of like what their skill set is so you know you can't really be taking too much of the worst of it whereas like any public action that i've ever bought like i used to buy uh a lot of main event action just to have board coverage you know i'd have like 150 people in the main <laughs> not at 10k each just like small pieces you know one yeah. one to five percent whatever you could just get exposure it's kind of like it's kind of like doing a, a best ball draft you know right you just realize like everybody's just fucking ripping you off <laughs> like when we used to do it uh i would have chin like scout up and coming like mid-stakes players and whatnot because we could always get them for like 1.1 1.2 mm -hmm. when you start paying like 1.4 plus <sighs> yeah it's just getting crushed yeah you know it was like it was around the same time that like i remember laplante was selling it like 2.0 and was under some scrutiny was like heavily defending it and it was just like maybe it was a good buy maybe it wasn't but i, I don't know and i don't care because there just isn't enough meat on the bone but at the same token, like the guy that you're paying 1.1 for is probably never going to win. And you really do want to have a piece of the guy who can ultimately come win. down to the wire and win it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a really tricky landscape, one that I'm not super sharp on, but I do find it to be an interesting combo. Sure. All right. Let's really wrap quick, this up. We had a ahead. question about markup, how that works. Okay. What uh, is you it? You just wanted to explain that. Oh, how markup works? Yeah. Um, so essentially the way that uh traditional tournament markup works is that you charge a percentage based off of what your expectation is in the event so effectively you're charging a premium right um it's similar to uh i guess it would be similar to like an angel investor in uh, the startup world where you know you have this product and currently it has sold x amount of dollars you're charging like uh, 0.5x more so you know 50% markup or whatever uh, in order for somebody to invest at this point so you yeah. already have something that's established you have an expectation that it's going to grow mm -hmm. 20x in the next 10 years yeah. and you're willing to let somebody come in at a 50% markup mm -hmm. right now so they're paying a bit of a premium for future earnings yeah so like in, in like let's say like the main event if I think my ROI is 15% and I sell at 1.15. So if they wanted 1%, which is at face is worth $100, they would mm -hmm. pay $115. Right, yeah. Um, so yeah, basically you're, you're just paying uh, an excess amount. You're, you're, you're allowing the player to secure some of his win rate up front. Right. Most people aren't, well, let me rephrase. Most good buys 
won't be selling at what their true ROI is. Mm-hmm. Right. So if your true ROI is like 15%, you're not going to sell, you sell at 1.1. 1. 1. 1. Yeah. You, yeah you're yeah. going to leave some meat on the bone for the right. backer. Right. Of course. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's get into this uh, in the muck. We have a user submission today. Um, so yeah, go ahead, go ahead and roll the clip. Uh, do I have that? I'm sorry. You always do. The intro? Oh. One job, Guapo. One job. <laughs> All right, so this is a tournament hand. I'm not really sure what uh, online site it came from. It looks like it's a European site, though. Um, And it seems to be somewhere. I I don't know what the structure is, but it seems to be somewhere in the early to mid stages. There are about 85 big blinds effective. Uh, You can actually click on the the stack size and it will convert it to big blind squap. Um, But this is an interesting spot. We're going to take a look at. Uh, I'm not the MTT pro, you know, so uh, bear with me. I'm not going to give you quite the Matt Hunt analysis, but I'll happily give you what I believe happens for chips. Um, I don't know what stage of the event they're in, so I'm going to assume there isn't much, if any, ICM. Uh, I imagine more than half the field exists. We're going to see a hijack open to two big blinds. Uh, the cutoff is going to fold. Three big blind or sorry, the button will uh, three bet to seven big blinds, give or take. Uh, We're going to go heads up to a flop. Good flop. Queen eight, six, two clubs. We have queens with the queen of clubs. Pretty fucking good spot. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I guess I'm going to explain for him since he's not here to do it for uh, (laughs) on on his own behalf. Uh, This is going to be a... 25 percent no No, it's a big bet board really i thought it was yeah no look at all those draws out there well it's a gut shot you have the queen of clubs when when, when, sorry (laughs) i'm sorry no it's fine you guys are fine uh you're both right sort of um two-tone boards don't go as big uh so rainbow boards will go slightly larger um and there's enough of a disconnect here where like you're not going to really be 75 much it basically you're going to mix between in my opinion uh like if you have a two-sizing strat here it's going to be like B40, B66. Yeah. The, this is like mostly what I saw happening whenever I was studying for airball. Um, but I think you can just single size here and just choose B40, which he does. Uh, he's going to get met with a call. Turns the five of clubs. So this is where it gets kind of interesting. And this is where his question comes into play. He said, uh, I'm hoping to hear Berkey talk on this one. Uh, gives the dynamic of what happened. And then he goes, I'm not sure how to get more value uh, out of this hand without checking back the turn. And I mm. think that that sentiment is where he starts to get into the muck because the issue is, is that like, okay, you have top sets, so you have all the top pairs blocked, mostly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also have the queen of clubs, so you have the top pairs that have redraws blocked, mostly. Um, but what I don't think he's really being considered is that is like what the overall range construction of the hijack looks like here after a raise and a three bet. Yeah. It's mostly going to be suited hands, right? So the real reason to check back the turn is for fear that our opponent is too dense to flushes, but that's actually not necessarily going to be the case. When we see back for 40% on the flop, uh, we just need to conceptualize how that range is going to continue. And it's going to be basically 
built out of three parts. It's going to be showdown value hands, so pairs that uh, can't fold to one single bet. Um, and this is going to be like pretty much any pair on the board and then some of the middling pocket pairs. So like pocket 10s isn't going to fold, pocket 9s probably not going to fold, pocket jacks if he has them, probably not going to fold, right? So those hands are all going to exist in some capacity. The second part will be front door draws. So the immediate gut shots, uh, any open end, well, I guess no open enders exist. 9-10's double gutted though, right? Yeah. Yeah, yep. so, so like a hand like 9-10 would be double gutted. That's always going to continue pure. Um, any front door flush draws and then any like backdoor combo draws. These are all going to continue. So those are going to be your three parts. It's going to be front door draws, backdoor draws, and then immediate showdown value. Um, so what we can expect when we arrive at the turn on the turn five is that nothing has really completed except the six five two pair and the flush i shouldn't say nothing because obviously the flush is a big deal <laughs> my point was no straights complete he doesn't have seven nine uh so that's really not much of an issue so he has three combos of two pair um and then he has like whatever potential slow plays he may have continued through with on the flop so he might have pocket eights at some frequency he may have pocket sixes at some frequency that he just chose to check call and then obviously he's going to have flushes now the spr here is two and a half the question that fist magnet really needs to ask himself is how often do i really want to have this hand in my range of hands that plays for stacks and then secondarily um how often do i think we will actually play for stacks if i bet the turn right now, the first answer should be quite often. And the big reason for this is that you still cool off a fair portion of his range. 6-5 mm -hmm. is dead and can't fold. Yep. Uh, set of 6s and set of 8s are mostly dead and can't fold, right? Uh, on top of that, there still do exist some offsuit combinations of hands, albeit very few, that have a, a naked club draw. Yeah, it could be ace ace queen. Ace queen's the specific one, right? Of course, right? ace yeah, queen I mean, is clearly there. Yeah, uh, and you block ace queen of clubs, which is a great event, right? So you block ace queen of clubs, queen ten of clubs, queen jack of clubs, king queen of clubs. You block all the suited queens that uh, very easily improve, mm -hmm. and you unblock the uh, suited queens that had to call one and will be in a tough spot facing a second barrel. Mm. that's good you want to make queen x indifferent and let all of his shit just have easy decisions right also let's not forget that there's going to be like some pocket jacks and pocket tens with a club they don't necessarily have a super easy decision facing bet also right so once we answer that like clearly we want to have this hand in our value range and be willing to play for stacks it's not only because it can get called by worse which very clearly it can but it's also because it can improve so we don't only want to bucket flushes in here, right? Because sometimes we're just going to get cooled off if that's the case, right? Sometimes we're going to have 10-9 of clubs here and our opponent's just going to have like king-queen of yeah. clubs and we're just fucking dead. And that sucks because, well, our value range is only flushes. So the times that we're cooled off, we never get to improve and we're just fucked, right? right? That's shitty. It also means that our bluffs won't function all that well because some of our bluffs are going to want to follow through on a board pair. And in order for us to follow through on a board pair, we have to be betting some sets. It's almost always going to be better to be betting top set. Well, uh, it'll, it'll always be better to be betting top set versus bottom set if we're comparing the two. Right. Right. Sixes actually get cooled off. Queens get to cool everything else off. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. Right. So I think that what is clearly missed here is how high of a frequency, I assume anyway, pocket queens will be as a bet here. 
Now, Fist Magnet chose to check back. I imagine it checks at some frequency, especially with a club. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. if we're going to find the top set that checks, I imagine it's going to be the top set with a club that checks back. But nevertheless, I think that this is, like, a very clear bet, and I would just size again for, like, 40% pot. Um, I don't see, like, basically when flush completing cards come through, we're kind of capped. Yeah, cap, like half potish. Yeah. yeah, half potish. Um, you know, on a different texture in a single raised pot, and maybe greater depth, we might have a bigger <laughs> size. Um, uh. But yeah, I would bet like forty percent pot on turn, which would be, uh, I guess, what are we looking at here? Like forty percent pot. Yeah, would uh, be like seven and a half blinds. Is that right? No, more than that. Just thirty in there. Yeah, so ten percent pot would be three fifty. It'd be like 12 blinds. Oh, yeah, yeah, 12. Oh, what am I doing? These are professional <laughs> poker players, guys. I'm like, 10% would be three, so uh, obviously 40 would be 25. I was like, how are you 25. getting seven? <laughs> like, I'm like, well, 15 is... Bird brain. Yeah. Absolute right. bird brain. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I would bet something like 12 blinds on the turn, which would set up a river of... I guess you'd have 54 in there with like yeah you'd have about pot a little over pot maybe like pot and a quarter behind mm -hmm. and that's fine because like you're not always going to play for stacks like when this river comes out and you get checked to you probably have a pretty tight check back right uh you just don't really beat too much you can't really get called by much worse any yeah. longer there's some two pairs that might have to defend and yeah you might be Sets able to like, are still gonna call. yeah you might be able to like get thin and just bet like 40 percent a third time mm -hmm. but like you know you don't want to get jammed on. Right. You, you feel pretty shitty about it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that like you kind of just let the hand play out as it may. Now, if a brick comes off, if a river deuce comes off, now we just have to figure out is top set worth, worth an all in, right? Mm -hmm. Debatable. Uh, and, you know, we can kind of defer to the wizard to check it out. As played, this is really close. This is really... My hand is going in the muck. Oh, well, we know that, Guapo. <laughs> I don't think that this by any stretch is a layup fold, but I would bet this hand mixes. Uh, which is... And I might be wrong, but I'm just assuming for this size, 120% pot. Um, the reason Van, Vanichika Poker gets to choose this size is because it puts your 8x in hell. And when we check back the turn... We should have a lot of hands that just can't really call a bet on the end, like one pairs, jacks, tens, nines, right? Like those hands can just never call a bet anyway. It doesn't really mm -hmm. matter. Outside of a block, perhaps, um, they can't really call. So he has to forego targeting the single pairs whenever he chooses to bet river and instead start targeting the, um, the most probable uh, next tier holding, which is just going to be straights, right? So it's like, uh, well, I need to go after... Sorry, I said 8x. I meant 9x. Uh, it's like, I need to start going after 9x here. And uh, when Fist Magnet checks back, he almost never has a flush unless he's slow playing. It, it needs to be like a super flush, like ace-queen of clubs. Yeah. yeah, exactly. King-queen of clubs, maybe. Mm -hmm. Even that doesn't feel great to slow play, but sure, it's fine. Something where they just can't have any. Yeah, you just block yeah. like their ability to ever right. suck out, right? Yeah. So you're only going to have like a couple combinations of flushes at most. Uh, and you're almost never going to have sets unless you decide to check back like sixes, which is reasonable, right? Like sixes will probably be your highest frequency check back when it comes to sets. Uh, you'll have some river two pairs. You'll have eight, seven and six, seven in range at some frequency, I'm sure. And then you'll have like a lot of the pair plus nine, 
So you'll just have like eight, nine that you didn't have any reason to bet on the turn. It's too strong to bluff and it's too weak to, to value bet, right? You'll have uh, queen nine suited, which again, same thing, right? Like pretty clear check back. You'll have uh, perhaps a little bit of jack nine of diamonds, nine, 10 of diamonds that you choose to not bet twice, right? So when he chooses this large size on the end, for value, it's going to be like nine, 10 plus and flushes. Uh, for bluffs, it's going to be hands that interact with that. Right, he's going to have the naked ace of clubs sometimes. Um, maybe not though, because I don't think ace queen ace of clubs would would bluff like this. No, it probably just either checks or blocks. Uh, so maybe he has like jacks with a club, tens with a club. Uh, those hands uh, now clearly don't win often enough on a one liner. Maybe he has to bluff those. Maybe uh, he chooses hands like um, like no interaction hands. Like uh, some sort of, or I shouldn't say no interaction he has, but like ace eight of diamonds, for instance. Uh, ace six of diamonds if he has it. Ace seven of diamonds for a rivered middle pair. These might be good hands to bluff with because you block some of the bluff catchers like two pair. Uh, in any event, like you're in a really, really, really fucked spot with top set now. Um, and my best guess is without having looked at the sim yet is that it's going to mix call fold. But I could be wrong. It might be pure call because we have the club. I'm not sure. I'm going to put myself out there and go 80-20. Specifically on 80, the 20, turn. 80-20, which way? Specifically on the oh, turn. So on the turn, I think it's 80%. You should be betting 20% check back. And then on the river, 80% fold. Okay. I'll book against 80% fold. <laughs> uh, I think turn, yeah, you probably almost That seems like bet. a lot of folding on the river. Yeah. I, I think on turn you almost always bet, but I think when you arrive at river, I'll, I'll book against 80% mm -hmm. fold for yeah, sure. Yeah, just because he has so many natural... I mean, he has bluffs. Right. Right, like he has a lot of bluffs. They're the, there. The, the villain has they're a lot there. of bluffs. Yeah, yeah, so they're there. Like, yeah. Remember how his range is compartmentalized. Right. It's front door draws, yep. showdown value, yeah. and back door draws. Right. All the back so what, door draws have to start bluffing. Not right. all, but like some. So what are you saying for the river? For river, I, 50, if, 50? If, if queens with the queen of clubs folds, I think it's probably like 30%. 70-30. Yeah. 30% fold. 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 Yeah. Okay. I, I think it's mostly going to play call, which he does ultimately call and get shown the bad news. I believe he was up against 9-10, if okay. I recall. Yeah, let's see the end of that hand. Wapo. He heard you. I didn't know if you heard me or not. My bad. Hey, yeah. the nutter butters. Yeah, I think it's a really well-played vibe. Double gutter, double gutter. I think it's a very well-played well hand oh, by yeah. uh, Vinchka. And I don't think Fist Magnet makes any clear errors. Because, I, again, I do think that the turn probably mixes. Mm -hmm. um, it's just the question in which he framed it, I think, is where uh, my perspective is different. I think, like he said, basically, I don't know how to get more value without checking the turn. And I think that that's a clear oversight. Right, your hand will just naturally accrue mm -hmm. value. You're when thinking you break too, down his range, you, you, you can you're see You're thinking the too much, like like Guapo yesterday. You're thinking mm -hmm. too much about the nothing portion of his range that's mm -hmm. never supposed to put money in the middle, right? The backdoor yeah. floats, the middle pairs, the, the shit that just doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. Like those aren't going to be the portion of range that you want to be targeting. Uh, a card fell that changed that, right? Yeah, we want to be targeting. The portion of range that just has to continue versus a smallish type size and 40 mm -hmm. seems to be uh in the right capacity honestly if you bet quarter pot on the turn i wouldn't be shocked because quarter pot doesn't get jammed on when you're two pots behind yeah right and that's really the big 
thing you want to try to avoid, I guess, with with a mergey ish. Not even the top set is mergey here, but like <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, it's it's in the vicinity of um, feeling like we're getting a little thin for value. So if it bet quarter pot in position, I, I truly wouldn't be shocked. Um, my instincts say that it's probably closer to forty, just based off of like shit that I've seen. Let's take a look at the wizard and uh, let's see how right or wrong we got this. Once again, big shout out to GTO Wizard, our feature sponsor of In the Muck. We appreciate you guys as always. Okay, so as you can see, we ran this um, 80 big blinds effective MTT stack. Uh, made the SPR according to uh, to what we saw in game. Um, Queen 8, 6, 2 clubs. We see that out of position playing pure check. That's no shock. And okay, we are correct here. Uh, it's a 40% um, frequency and the 66% is like almost never used. So if we look at what chooses the smallest size, we see it's just like a spattered amount of range that is mostly just like top pair plus type of stuff. And then like some nothing, like ace five, uh, no no draw. Ace five of spades, ace five of hearts, that type of stuff. So you can probably simplify here to a single size. Uh, it encapsulates pretty much the entire range. Nothing really checks at a super high frequency, which I think is worth noting. Um, so this is closer to a range bet board. Uh, you know, we see like the ace six types hands, the, the bottom pairs, uh, specifically ones, um, with, without the back doors. So spades and hearts, they do a little bit more checking and then like a hand like Jack eight. So middle pair type holding same thing without the back doors, uh, does a fair amount of checking, but you know, we're in there sevens is the only pure check. Um, and that's mostly a byproduct of it being like square in the middle where there isn't any six X left when we have sevens. Uh, to really target for value and 8x doesn't fold yeah so like we kind of just get value cut a bit you just have to check yeah yeah uh same thing with fives I, I didn't even realize we had fives in there but okay so uh we're gonna play 40 percent oh the response yeah um so you can see that hijack actually does a lot of check raising here which may or may not take place in game um, when we look at like 10-9 specifically, we see that it's the front door back door combos. So mm -hmm. even though I was mentioning like that portion of the range is what ultimately continues, it's also what's ultimately pretty aggressive, right? Uh, so we see that the front door 10-9 is a pure raise, 10-9 of clubs. So he actually doesn't even have that hand, technically speaking, through the call through the call node. Uh, and then a hand like 10-9 of diamonds is favoring raise a lot. But all 10-9 continues, as we kind of mentioned. Yeah. Um, same with, uh, you know, the middling pair hands, you can see the nine, eight, no backdoors is doing a lot of, uh, playing aggressively here. Um, nine, eight with no backdoor. So like nine, eight of spades. Yep. Spades and hearts almost pure for both. Wow. Uh, whereas nine, eight of diamonds is a pure call. Uh, eight, eight, seven kind of plays in the inverse. Like this is where we start to play a lot more passively. These are where our bluff catchers start to come from. And then the back doors want to play passively because, uh, equity realization purposes uh not necessarily because like you can see that they play aggressively um when we don't have pairs mm -hmm. so we naturally realize more when we have the pair okay uh yeah. which basically it's it's combining the equity of the backdoor with the showdown value right mm -hmm. so we get the bluff catch more easily calling 10 high twice versus like a turn big size is hard right so we want to be front loading a little bit more aggression there um Okay, so like when he does play calls, it's going to be very similar to like what I was kind of saying. We can look at the range breakdown here real quickly, and we can see that uh, 
when we're talking about showdown value, it's his top pairs and below that start playing a high mix of calls, which was exactly what we were saying, right? Like two pair plus is going to mostly raise. There is some trapping taking place here with sets uh, and two pairs. And like when we look at what they are, it's of course just going to be the worst of them. Eights is almost a pure raise. Sixes does a little bit more trapping, right? Um, not really much of any two pair on the flop. I don't even know where that was coming from to be quite. Oh, I guess we have a tiny sliver of eight, six. Um, <laughs> very, small. very, very small. And you know, the one with the backdoor properties plays call. Um, and then furthermore, whenever we look at like the nothing, we see that the combo draws play pretty aggressively, but then the rest of it is just going to be like the front door flush draws, the open and straight draws, the gut shots. These are all pure continuing. You can see no folds from hands that are drawing to the nuts in any capacity. And then uh, we start to see a pretty heavy mix when it comes to like backdoor flush draws with uh, two cards. So that's going to be the diamonds uh, versus backdoor flush draws with one card. And this is going to be like mostly pocket pairs mm. since we don't have a lot of offsuit mm -hmm. as we mentioned. So like it's, the jacks with the jack. Clubs. Yeah. So like ace jack with the ace of clubs, we can see does some floating. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it's going to be like jacks, tens, nines, and then a hand like ace queen. These are going to be where we're pulling our one club hands from. All right, turn five, we see a club. Uh, this is obviously advantageous. So Fist's instincts weren't terrible. Like he does get to have a fair amount of blocks here for about 10% of his range. Uh, and as we mentioned, you know, it's a lot of what we think. Like eight, seven improves to a pair in an open ender. Uh, seven, six, same thing, pair in an open ender. Six, five now improves the two pair. Um, you know, has a little bit of the 8-6 remaining, the 8-6 of diamonds specifically. So he checks 90%. This is Vanash. This is... Oh, yeah, this is out the guy of position. that's out of position. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Right, so now when we look at the in-position strategy... Go. Okay. Ah, that's I much, wasn't even close. That's much better. <laughs> yeah, okay. And and we're we're right on it here. 40% uh, bet. You can see ace-queen suited bets always. That's a great indicator as to what you should be doing with queens, right? Um, now, ace-queen is betting largely due to vulnerability sake but the point is is it's still worth 40 percent pot to bet pure all ace queens well yeah. ace queen suited oh yeah always queen suited right and, and, spe and almost specifically, all what is his, ace queen what does his hand do matt um queens yeah queen of hearts queen of clubs so no club it's pretty much a pure bet uh with a club it looks like it's what um how often are we how often are we checking here oh no Queen of hearts, queen of clubs. Yeah, where does it show the actual Not at the percentage? bottom. Right no, there, 30. No, that's the EV. Hmm. I think I have it messed up here. Let's see. Strategy. Yeah, there you go. So it's about 30% check um, with a club. Yeah. Uh, yeah, same, same for both. So about 70-30 split. So, you know, again, he's not like, he's not wrong. Wait, it's seven. Oh, okay. 70% uh, bet, 30% check. If he has okay. no club, then it's a pure close. bet. Yeah, you said 80-20? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's very close. Um, instincts are good. I, I just think like what's important to recognize here is the the way that the ranges um, are breaking down here in the sense that uh, the advantage isn't nearly as great to the out of position as maybe it may feel. Uh, that five isn't as bad as one may think. Um and, uh, you know, when you look at, like, what our range composition is, we have a lot of flushes. 6% of our range is flushes, right? Um, we still have a lot of overpairs that can still improve to uh, a flush themselves. Um, and then we still carry through uh, some amount of sets. So, like, 
25% of our range, almost 40% of our range is like top pair plus. That's usually going to be a good indicator that you're free to bet. Uh, now, you can see that we are out flushed here, right? 14% of our opponent's range is flushes. But he just lacks a lot of the rest, right? So he, he has flushes and then like top pair and then a bunch of shit. And that asymmetry is what allows us to reopen the action now whenever we're in position because we have a linear range of hands that we can bet with and that's why we choose the 40% size instead mm -hmm. of something polar. Right. If we had his range, we'd be a little bit more inclined to go polar. Maybe a little bit less so because, you know, flushes are... are those types of boards are, mm -hmm. are very specific. But maybe you'd choose like the 60% instead of the 40. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we might see something like that if the board texture were a little bit different. If it were like queen, eight, five, deuce, three clubs. Mm -hmm. You know, then we or, might see the 66 come through. Yeah. Um, in any event, uh, when we choose to check, we, we can see like how this plays out as played. When we choose to check and the river is a seven offsuit. Yeah. Uh, not diamond. Seven right? spades. Yeah. Yeah, I think the diamond would have changed things a little just because it reduces combos. Um, now we can see, okay, uh, he didn't really miss on the sizing terribly. Kind of just, oh, wait, sorry. I'm looking. Well, he one. went pot. Or, oh, he yeah, yeah, sorry. I was, I was looking at the button. He went 120. He went 120. Okay, so yeah, he kind of, he got a hedges here, right? Um, if we simplified this to a single size strat, I imagine it would just land around 75% pot um, and you would just do a lot more checking. You can see that he does have viable all-ins and 10-9 suited is a part of them, um, all 10-9s. So his idea to go large with 10-9 is correct. Um, he just missed a bit on the sizing in the sense that it should have either been jam or the lesser size of 66%, mm -hmm. which he's going to fit a lot more hands into. Jam's like 250%. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's simplify this and only have two sizes of what he chose at 120% and then like the 40% block. I think the 66% is probably a little bit redundant. Um, let's see how this plays out. Okay, so now you can see that 10-9 suited pretty much only bets the large size, mm -hmm. um, which is what he actually chose in game. And you can see that most of the 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 hands that are choosing large are going to be straights um as well as like flushes so he doesn't have any sets for this size uh so that's what's going to make it difficult for queens is that you don't cool any hands off any longer he doesn't have any sets he doesn't have any of his two pairs um but he has a very polar range of straights plus and then bluffs so you can see that he has his ace jack with the ace of clubs that's going to be a bluff uh you can see that he has his uh, ace jack of diamonds is going to be where he pulls some of his bluffs so as we kind of said like those high card backdoor floats uh, will now fall into the polarized bluffing line um, when he chooses this size and we face it with queens oh wow uh, I was closer than guapo but still wrong it's a pure call it's a pure call pure call mm. wow. I thought it would mix because we don't cool anything off any longer like we don't face the size from, from worse showdown value but it just doesn't matter because we don't have that many hands to call with when we come through the check line. Look, as you can see, we have king nine for a straight, queen nine for a straight, as I mentioned. That's going to be one of the checkbacks. Uh, jack nine of diamonds, as I mentioned, was a checkback. The ten nines, as I mentioned, were checkbacks, right? These are going to be areas that we start to call. Now we have to start reaching for hands that just block his value. Yeah. 
So you can see that like, you know, Queen 8, which doesn't really beat worse value, um, but still gets in there purely, right? So all sets that arrive here are obviously calling pure. Uh, all the two pair hands are calling pure. And a little bit of that is because uh, some of his bluffs are going to be derived from these, these type of hands. Uh, or I guess maybe some of his value? Because we... Uh, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, honestly, I'm not sure other than I guess it has to reach because we just don't have any flushes, right? I, I, I actually don't know if we have any flushes. Let's look at the breakdown. 1% of our range. Yeah. So we only have 1% of our range that's, that's flush. Um, just because we don't check back any. Right. right. Like Ace, queen of clubs. Maybe right. it's like on the, the only thing yeah. we kicked. Oh, we don't even have it. We don't. So we, we, don't we just don't take this line with ace, queen of clubs. Right. No, we don't. Uh, maybe we don't bet it as often on the flop, I guess. Uh, but remember, ace, queen was a pure bet on the turn. Right? Mm -hmm. Ace, queen, yeah. suit was a pure bet yeah. on the turn. So yeah. any ace, queen of clubs that carry through, we do actually just bet. Our only flushes are queen, seven of clubs and king, queen of clubs. So the, it is the pair plus, right. as we mentioned. Just a different one. But it's, it's not the, not the, it's nut, not the one. nut one. Because you want them to have the... I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's just that it's worth more. Right. You know, the, yeah. the nut flush is just worth more than a queen high flush. Yeah. It's kind of that thing. And we don't have that many nut flushes in the three bet node. Um, so yeah, like we're pretty devoid of flushes. So we have to just start reaching for calls. You can see that like 10, eight calls at some frequency, right? Because it just blocks nuts, blocks mm -hmm. 10, nine, uh, Jack eight calls at some frequency because it blocks wow. Jack nine of diamonds. Mm -hmm. Uh, Papa, you find this calls? Bro was folding I think, queens. Know, I think you know the answer to that. Bro said he's folding queens 80% here. It's a pure call. They just, pure they just call. always have it, guys. It's a pure call. They just always have it. Let they them don't. have it, man. You got mm -hmm. to just pay. Uh, so yeah, big shout out to... Um, <laughs> I only remember half his name now. Fist. Fist Magnet. That's right. Yeah. Uh, he's one of our community members. We appreciate the submission. Thank you so much for that. Uh, you Conrad's a palm magnet. Don't don't beat yourself up. <laughs> Conrad is a palm magnet. Don't beat yourself up too much over it. Uh, the turn check back is theoretically fine. It's just maybe your reasoning behind it wasn't so great. If you guys also have an In the Muck segment that you'd like to submit, we're going to be doing at least one submission a week uh, as a part of our activation here. Um, to demonstrate GTO Wizard a little bit more frequently. Uh, feel free to head over to our Discord. You can find that link on our Twitter page at OnlyFriends underscore pod. Uh, just join the Discord group and we have a dedicated forum to the In The Muck segment. Also, don't forget that we have an Academy coming up in about 10 days, uh, January 15th to the 17th. You can sign up for that at academy.solverwide.io. Uh, limited seating remaining. Also, we do have seats available still for March and May. So we're going to have three cash academies before the World Series, as well as an MTT Academy that's led by Matt Hunt at the end of May, right before the World Series starts. So be sure to uh, look into that if you're interested. Today was a long one, boys. Mm -hmm. Today went a little longer than expected. Uh, we got a little ranty. It tends to happen. You know? I'm not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. I'm, I'm happy to do it. Uh, we appreciate you guys all for tuning in. If you haven't already, be sure to hit that like and subscribe. Click the bell. Make sure you get the notifications for when we're live. We are here five days a week. If you don't know, now you know. Generally going to be Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. There might be some times that we have to switch it up because the academy or I got to see to Bobby's room. But in any event, 
this is what you can expect from us day in and day out. A lot of poker talk, a lot of uh, Steeler talk, and a lot of me slapping Conrad <laughs> in the face. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow for the final show of the week. 11 a.m. Pacific. We'll see you all then. Peace. Peace.